What's up? Can you hear me? All right. Well, good evening, Vacaville. This is a special meeting of the Vacaville City Council, January 10th, 2024. We are at the Vacaville Eulatus Community Center. Can I have a roll call? Councilmember Council Ritchie? Here. Councilmember Stockton? Here. Councilmember Silva? Here. Councilmember Chapman? Here. Councilmember Roberts? Here. Vice Mayor Wiley? Here. Here. So all the mics were on, just so you know. So it's it's a little different than being in the council chamber. So well good evening, Vacaville. If you are able, will you please stand with me for a moment of silence? Vice Mayor Ritchie, will you lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right. Mr. City Manager, will you go ahead and start this meeting? 
Thank you, Mr. Mayor, Vice Mayor, members of the City Council. This uh, single item before you tonight is consideration of a resolution uh, regarding an extension to the INRA agreement between the City of Vacaville and Menard Energy Storage Group. Um, this is just a focus on the request for an extension. Um, so with that, I'm going to introduce our team of Don Burris, our Director of Economic Development Services, and Aaron Morris, our Community Development Director, who provide a brief presentation. Good evening, Mayor, Vice Mayor, Council Members, and uh, members of the public. I'm Don Burris, Director of Economic Development Services. Uh, happy to be here tonight uh, to help uh, with this discussion. Um, as we begin, I'm going to provide a little bit of background, and my colleague Aaron Morris will talk a little bit about the uh, options for actions. Um, so on January 11, 2023, the City Council entered into uh, an uh, exclusive negotiating rights agreement with Menard Energy Storage, LLC, that allowed a 12-month exclusive negotiating period regarding the potential purchase of the City's Gibson Canyon Creek Wastewater Treatment Plant property for the development of a proposed utility-scale battery energy storage system. Uh, the INRA did not obligate the city uh, uh, council to agree to the sale of the property to Menard, nor, did it, nor um, did it approve a battery storage facility on that subject site. Uh, the INRA expires at midnight on January 11th unless extended. Uh, during the negotiating period, uh, Menard Energy completed many of the due diligence tasks to determine the feasibility for its proposed use of the property for a battery energy storage system. However, community outreach was lacking. Before we go over the options, just briefly, on December 8th of this of last year, Menard sub, uh, submitted a request for a one-year extension to the NRA to the City Council, and that is the matter before the Council this evening. Uh, the main purpose of the extension, which will be further explained by Menard when they present uh, this evening, is to allow time for more community outreach. Uh, there hasn't been any Menard community outreach to date. Uh, we did have a city-sponsored community meeting last fall, but that's pretty much been the extent of it. So um, the council has more than two options, but the two main ones that staff wanted to share for the council's consideration. Option one, uh, the council could decide to grant the one-year extension to the negotiating agreement, and this would essentially allow one more year for Menard to conduct commu uh, community outreach and also to continue negotiating with the city in an exclusive negotiating position. Uh, the other main option is the council could decide not to extend the exclusive negotiating agreement, in which case it would expire and no longer be in effect. Um, we have, we're here prepared to answer questions the council may have at this time. Uh, the applicant Menard is here to make a brief presentation and we also have a presentation from a representative from a large group of people who wish to be heard. So that's, that concludes staff's presentation. Yeah, thank you. I don't, I don't know that I'm going to look on the, the council to see if there's any questions for staff. I don't see any, so thank you very much. And I, and I do believe that we have representatives from Menard Energy to come up and give a presentation. Uh, for an extension to the NRA. I don't know if I have a 
maybe I need to stand. Yeah, there, there you go. go. All right. there, that helps. Um, so um, I'm sure many of the people in the public have seen me before, certainly on the September 7th meeting, along with uh, Sumit Vidani was there. Um, I also have a new member of the team that would help in outreach during this next year. Um, Tracy Craig with Craig Communications. So she'll take sort of the second half of this uh, presentation as it were. Um, and so, uh, really appreciate the opportunity, as I said, to, uh, to speak with y'all. Um, so, we didn't do any community outreach, any significant community outreach uh, on this project during this, during this year for a number of reasons. Um, you know, uh, the, 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 the NRA actually doesn't say anything about community outreach specifically, but we certainly intended to do community outreach and would, would, uh, would intend to do community outreach during this additional year, which Tracy will speak to. So Ampere, the company that I work for, is the owner of Menard, and we've requested this one-year uh, extension. The extension, just to be clear, I know you all know it, but it does not approve the project. Um, it's just an opportunity to go through the steps to get to um, a position to approve the project. So it just allows time for a robust community engagement, and the purpose of it is to allow folks to learn about Ampere um, and our staff, about battery storage facilities in general, and about the specifics of this project. Um, we hope also to address stakeholder concerns and, and, and issues that they may have and provide facts from an industry point of view, been a lot of misinformation out there, and there are there are facts about battery storage and uh, um, you know specifically lithium-ion battery storage that's uh, that exists. And our purpose is to provide accurate and truthful information or factual information so that people can make informed decisions. So, um, who's who? So. Ampere Energy USA, which is a limited liability corporation, um, is part of the global Ampere Energy Company, which is a developer and operator of utility-scale photovoltaic, wind, and battery storage projects. Here in the U.S., it's been mostly PV with battery storage. Um, the Ampere Group has a combined experience of more than 500 years in engineering and implementation of energy infrastructure projects. I've been doing energy or power plant construction for over 40 years. Um, so in, in the U.S. we have over 1,200 megawatts of energy projects in various stages. This would be the first sole battery project, uh, battery storage project in the U.S. However, several of our photovoltaic projects have um, batteries and ancillary part of that um, so that, again, they can produce power over, you know, at night or when it's cloudy or whatever. So Menard Energy, which is a project company, is a 100% wholly owned subsidiary of Ampere Energy USA. This is normal. In my 40 years, I've, had, I've, I've done 12, 12 uh, this would be the 13th, energy projects, power infrastructure projects, large capital projects. All but one, the parent, pro the parent company, well, every one of them, the project company was a limited liability corporation or an LP, limited partnership. And, and all but one of them, the parent company, was an LLC as well. So this is not uncommon. It's a very common thing. 
Um, battery storage facilities. So, um, obviously, uh, battery storage facilities, it stores energy from wind, solar, other sources when it's abundant and returns energy to the grid when it's needed most. So, you know, California's got a, a goal of, of, of hitting 60% um, uh, of the state's mandated energy is supposed to come from renewable resources by 2030. Ain't going to happen without some form of storage because, unfortunately, the renewable energy is it's specific to either the weather or, or the uh, diurnal process. It's either daylight or when the wind's blowing. Um, there are other, you know, obviously there's, there's other sources of it, but so you're going to need to store it. Um, and best facilities are required to achieve this goal. Um, it is an established common technology. Um, in the U.S., over, overall in the U.S., there are almost 500 sites that are in operation now and over 2,600 megawatts or 26 gigawatts of, of power installed in those. So it's very common, um, very common uh, technology that's out there. In California, there's a great website from the CEC that goes through and shows where every one of the projects in California, there's 106 projects in California with uh, 5.6 gigawatts, I think 5.2 no, 5 gigawatts of utility scale. There's more than that, a lot more than that if you include um, <coughs> residential scale and commercial scale where you have a, uh, a Walmart or something like that that may have battery storage, that sort of thing. So the Obviously, this is a relatively, relatively new technology um, in that, uh, you know, large-scale utility battery storage has not been around that long. And so there's lots of changes, a lot of uh, advances as we go. And every time there's an incident, there's been, um, that's informed a lot of the engineering and, uh, and science around how do we make this stuff safer. So, which gets us to the next slide. Um, which is battery, which is uh, best safety. Um, you know, as I said, if you look at the uh, if you look at the curve of 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 installing these projects uh, over the last 10, 12, 15 years, call it, um, it's gone up dramatically. The v of the f almost 500 projects in the U.S., I'd say just about 400 of them were built in the last three years. So there's been a, an incredible increase. Um, <coughs> so what we're doing today to make the, the technology safer is we're, um, there's a lot of things. The first of all, the chemistry of the technology itself, the chemistry inside the battery is less volatile. It's called lithium iron phosphate. But what matters is that it's less volatile, less energetic than earlier battery storage facilities. Um, also, as I said, as incidents happen, and from a utility perspective, there have been 19 incidents in the U.S. over the last 13, 14 years. Um, 21 total, but two of them were, were, uh, were, lit were batteries, uh, car batteries, basically. They were um, lead-acid batteries. So if we're talking about lithium-ion utility scale, there's 19 um, that have incidents that have occurred in the last 13 years. Um, <coughs> so as each one happens, there's a, you know, people want to know. So there's, there's obviously a lot of uh, uh, incident investigations that go on to determine what happened, how do we fix it, 
And we're at a stage now where, you know, first of all, NFPA uh, 855 um, is one of the strictest codes for, for battery storage design and implementation and operation. Batteries now, instead of being like Moss Landing, instead of being in a large warehouse, they don't do that anymore. They put them in, in uh, non-flammable non metal, metal containers where there's less of a battery, less batteries in each container. Each container is separated by both, um, you know, fire retardant, fire resistant um, walls, also separated by, by distance so that if there is a fire, that, that uh, it would be contained, it would be a small, in, a small uh, event. Uh, probably more importantly is the intelligent battery management system in each of these containers. Um, it, it isolates the batteries, the stack of batteries. If there's any change in either temperature, um, uh, if there's gas present or a, a variety of, uh, of issues that would indicate that there's a problem with any of the batteries in that system, and it isolates it. So um, there's also independent redundant fire alarm control panels that make sure that the fire department gets called. One of the issues I know that's come up is, is uh, what about gr uh, groundwater, potential groundwater contamination. Uh, the proposed modern systems don't use water. If there, if there happens to be a fire, it will be small, it will be isolated, and there's no need to put it out with water. Um, so there won't be any danger to human life or and no groundwater contamination. Um, at the end of the, the um, NRA extension letter, that we sent you all, and I know it's been published on the, on, on the website, is a report that we received, that we, that we uh, commissioned from Fire and Risk Alliance. They're among the guys that do, among the very few guys that do UL testing, the underwriter's laboratory testing of battery modules and battery units. Um, <clears throat> so they did a, a model of our project at where, you know, where it would be at Gibson Creek, including air dispersion modeling to confirm both off-gassing and the potential for what happens if there is a fire, what's, what's, what's the smoke going to do? And it basically identified that it would not extend past the property perimeter. Um, the last thing, which is now codified in California law, is that we'd establish an emergency response plan for site and, and hold regular trainings with the, with the first responders. Um, so um, of, all, of the units or of the 19 incidents that have happened in the U.S., um, there, there has never been anybody hospitalized for any toxic smoke inhalation. In fact, there has never been any measured toxic smoke outside the perimeter of the facilities in where, where those incidents happen. And that's because that's what happens. It does get hot. And the uh, toxic and any toxicity in the in the smoke that's there would would rise fast. Um, so um, the other thing, um, well, I won't go through that. So I do want to talk about exclusive exclusive negotiating right status where we are. So you know we have this 12-month negotiating agreement. We believe we fulfilled all the. <clears throat> all the requirements for of the of the ENRA. Um, I think one of the things is conducts significant public outreach. 
which we've been trying to do, uh, but it is not a requirement of the ENRA. It's not even mentioned in the ENRA, but we intend to do it if we're granted an extension would be to spend time doing um, the completing the public outreach. Normally, it's a part of the CEQA process. Um, you know, that's when you would normally do uh, um, do outreach. But in this case, you know, we're happy to do it in advance of that. So, so with that, I want to bring Tracy up here, and she can talk about um, what we would do for outreach. Thanks. Good evening, Mayor, Vice Mayor, Council, staff, and most importantly, the public. Uh, my name is Tracy Craig. I was brought on to this project just in December, actually probably November, so pretty new when it was apparent that um, the community wasn't liking this project at all. So I want to say it's not easy to be up here, right, for me or for anybody else, and I want to thank everybody for keeping an open mind tonight, and that includes council, and it also includes all the Vacavillians sitting here. Um, what? I just want to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I've owned a community outreach firm for 23 years, and we specialize in um, land use projects that are oftentimes very controversial, what project in California is not these days. Before that, I worked for the Department of Toxic Substances Control, which is a division of the California Environmental Protection Agency, and was one of the people that wrote the public outreach program for that agency. So, community engagement. Um, our goal really here is, I, I understand people don't like this project, it's in people's backyards, and so our goal is not to force the project down your throat. Our goal in the next year, if this NRA is approved, is simply to educate people and give them the industry perspective of what a best facility is, why the industry feels that facility is safe to operate, and to give people facts so that they can make informed decisions. And that, of course, is the best kind of decision to make. So how would we plan to do that? And I, I think that before I say that, I think I just want to note we all need energy. <laughs> we all, the lights have to go on. Um, and our current energy supply is not sustainable. So I think we really do need to look at other ways for energy. So whether this project is approved or not, if the extension was, was granted, people will walk away with a better understanding and an industry perspective of why this is important because regardless if it's at the Gibson plant or somewhere else, these, these, in, these type of facilities are coming. So it's always good to be armed with facts and to hear the industry perspective. Um, so with regard to community engagement, um, we have some proposed activities up there. I certainly don't need to read these to, all of it, to everyone, but I think there's just a couple things I would like to focus on. Um, usually we typically have assessment interviews when we start a community engagement process, and that's where we actually work with various folks in the community and we ask them, what is the best way to engage you? How do you want to be engaged? What do you want to learn? What is your goal out of this project? And then we'll design the outreach program based on that. And also, I think we would form a community advisory panel. So I think people are probably, or board, um, a cap, a cab, whatever you want to call it. I think people are probably pretty um, used to these. And this is where we get various people from the community with differing perspectives. It's a mediated or facilitated process. And we go through a process where we look at the project. We can make changes to the project. We bring in industry experts, third-party reviewers, subject matter experts on, on 
the responsible party's dime and those people are working on the behalf of the community to answer questions and to facilitate dialogue and hopefully collaboration. Um, finally, so that would be one part. And then the RAB members also have the goal of um, working with the public. So we would ask them to ferry out information to the public on what they've learned and served as an adjunct for communications. And then after the RAB meetings, we typically have town halls and community meetings where we say what happened at the RAB and we take community input. So all of that, all of that, I think I just went through the community advisory board. All of that really leads to what I want to lead people with. I get this project isn't decided, but I do think it's important to make informed decisions. And most importantly, um, I think that there is opportunities here to change some of the parameters of this project. The location isn't going to change, and I know people are very people don't like this location. But there are opportunities to scale it down, move it around, and do other things. Otherwise, we would just be force-feeding people information, and that, that, that doesn't, doesn't make sense. So here's our outreach schedule. Um, we would start, I said, as individual briefings with people just to meet various members of the community. We'd work to establish a community advisory board. We would hold the meetings bi-monthly. We would have public meetings where we would report out after the day of the community advisory boards. We'd have town halls, open houses intermittently. Um, we would revise the project based on stakeholder input, of course. And um, then we would submit our proposed project as agreed to by the RAB to the city. Um, so that, that's kind of a summary, and I'm certainly here to add, answer questions. Oh, I think I just turned it off. Sorry about that. Um, and then last, I just want to talk about potential community benefits. I know that originally there was talk about um, a recreation center and things like that. I think that was pulled back. But I do want to say any project of this magnitude does, of course, have a community benefits package associated with it. And so we were batting around ideas that might actually be interesting to people. And that any community benefit package would be decided, of course, in concert with the public and with the city. But one of the things that we did think about was establishing some kind of local scholarship program and then actually getting a microgrid together for this and selling electricity back to PG&E. And that would be an ongoing source of funding that um, a community advisory group could issue to various groups. They could apply for funds. And it would be ongoing for the life of the project. So it would be a community benefit package that isn't just a one-time deal, but that would last for the 20 or so years that the project actually um, is working. But of course, any kind of benefit package would be based on community input and what the community and the city would like to see. And the final package, of course, would be approved as quite a part of the project. Okay. And then just next steps in summary. There's a lot of people here, so I'd like to wrap it up. And I want to thank you all for giving me your attention tonight. Um, granting the extension, of course, does not approve the project. It simply allows time for community outreach. I cannot tell you how much I wish I was up here two years earlier. Um, I always say early outreach is better. That didn't happen in this, so it's a heavy lift. Um, but we have our fingers crossed tonight. And then again, it would allow people time to learn about Amper, battery storage facilities, the proposed project, and it would hopefully allow for the community to find common ground with the responsible party and move forward. Um, and last, really the overarching goal is for people to get more information so that they can make informed decisions. Um,
That is my phone number. That's actually my cell phone number. I answer it all the time. If anybody has any questions, if they'd like to meet with Bernard offline, um, if they need anything, you're welcome to call me or text me. I return my phone calls within a couple hours usually, and that includes evenings, weekends, and early mornings. And with that, I'd like to thank you all for listening to me and look forward to hearing everybody's comments. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the presentation. And I just want to look to the council to see if there's... Yeah, thank you for the presentation. I don't see any questions at this point. Um, we have a representative from Keep Vacaville Safe, uh, Sarah Dunn, if, if you can come forward. And, and I do believe that there is a presentation. waiting for the PowerPoint to show up. And you might want to pull the microphone closer oh. to you. There, there, there we go. go. Okay, can everybody hear me now? Yes. Okay, good, like a Verizon commercial. <laughs> um, hello, I would like to thank um, the city council and the city manager for allowing me to speak tonight. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Sarah Dunn and I'm part of the group Keep Vacaville Safe. Um, I'm speaking on behalf of our group and the Vacaville residents who signed our petition to oppose the project. To date, we have turned in 1,000 written signatures and 2,996 online signatures. Actually, was just handing another, um, somebody gave me another 100 signatures, so that number just went up over 1,000 <laughs> or 3,000. Um, I'm now going to share information that justifies our request for a no vote to this extension. So first, lack of transparency. For a project of this magnitude, the company needs to be transparent in all aspects. We don't feel the company has been transparent with answering questions about the history of the project and ownership of the company, which raises red flags about potential liability. Questions were asked at the community meeting, but Menard didn't answer all the questions, even after they had a month to answer them on the city's website. They danced around some of the answers that should have been simple, such as one question regarding other sites that were explored. Additionally, we have recently learned that some of the statements made at the September 7th community meeting regarding what happens in a, the gases in the, uh, sorry. Uh, we've recently learned that some of the statements made at the September 7th meeting regarding what happens to the gases in the case of a fire were extremely mix misleading. Now this is a quote from Menard Energy's representative on September 7th, recorded at 30 minutes into the meeting. It's kind of long, so bear with me. I'm gonna make a point, and I quote, if it starts heating up, it can produce gases, and the gases include things like carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, and hydrogen. Carbon monoxide is the most concerning of those three. When they did the test, basically it extended no further than three feet from the container in which it came from. CO2 was five feet, and then hydrogen was more like 15 feet. In the event of a fire, in, in the case of a fire, those gases were sensed no further away than 45 feet from the container. Now our setback is like 90 feet between any battery and the project, um, the project boundary. So this example that I gave you was actually what they call a hypothetical worst case example, end quote. He says the gases were sensed no further than 45 feet away. Not deadly ga levels of gas, just gas that was sensed. Now that we have obtained the full report of what he was quoting, we read that hypothetical worst case scenario in that report is one that concentrated levels 
are of carbon monoxide considered immediately dangerous to life and health were measured at 492 feet. Mm -hmm. This is over 10 times more than what was presented to the city and the public at that meeting. You know, please ask yourself when you watch the presentation, did that uh, influence the way you felt about this project when you heard that it only went 45 feet? If so, you were greatly misinformed by Menard. With safety being our number one concern, these are things that need transparency. Doing business with a company who dances around the answers and withholds information about one of our biggest safety concerns is simply unacceptable. Okay, number two, safety risk. The closest battery in this project is projected to be only 600 feet from the nearest residential home. It's 1,100 feet from the North Village neighborhood. We have read the toxic plume simulation report submitted by Menard. Their worst case scenario was one in which the gas has traveled 492 feet, not 45 feet, like they stated. The report shows deadly levels of carbon monoxide gas just reached the project boundary, but not into the neighboring properties. The company who did the simulation is indeed a reputable company. I checked them out, they do good work. I believe what they say, and it gave us some valuable information. But there were some limitations to their findings. The limitations, the limitations of the report are, it only measured lethal levels of carbon monoxide. The report didn't take into consideration levels of smoke or other gases that would likely spread further and be less concentrated but still be harmful. The report didn't take into account the fire could spread to additional containers. This simulation was based on one container catching fire and that hypothetical fire only lasted 30 minutes. And we know battery fires can burn for days. Finally, we have to consider this report was a simulation based on UL testing in a lab. We are concerned this study may not reflect real life events and that hazards could be worse in real life. Even so, in that report, a deadly level of carbon monoxide still traveled 492 feet and with 100 feet of the neighboring homes. This is too close. Carbon monoxide can kill within minutes. These numbers are nothing that any of us should feel comfortable with, living so close to it. And let's look at some real life examples of what happens in fires. This is a picture of the brand new Poe and Stack 750 centipede system. This is the same make and model Menard wants to use in Vacaville. It was the same model was tested in that report. Convergent, the operator of the system, stated they were the first to use this, uh, receive this system back in May of 2023. Um, after only one month of being installed, this small battery storage system caught fire. As we can clearly see, the fire did not stay isolated to one container, like the simulation report. It appears to be burned through an entire row of batteries containers. It actively burned for three days. Nearby residents were evacuated. Nearby schools were closed for the duration of the fire. And a news report actually said it smoldered for about two weeks. Another Poen system, same system in Warwick, New York, also caught fire on June 27th at a separate location. Again, the fire burned for more than 30 minutes. Um, it lasted about one day. Uh, it caused evacuations and shelter-in-place orders. People reported a bitter smell that was smelled for miles, and some stated they smelled it inside their homes. During these two Warwick fires, a news reporter stated she smelled the fumes a half mile away when doing her report. 
She later commented that her eyes were burning and she had a bad taste in her mouth for about six hours. The following day, she had congestion and had to clear her throat frequently. Seriously, if somebody lives near this, they are going to have to evacuate. There's just no way. Okay. Here is another one, October 2nd, 2023, in Melba, Idaho, another Poen Stack 750 centipede system caught fire. As you can see in the picture, it spread to multiple containers. I read the incident report from Idaho Power, and they actually confirmed that it did burn through multiple containers. Uh, the fire duration was three days. It caused road closures for seven miles and residents to evacuate. Now, Menard claims that their project poses no threat to human life. However, in their simulation, deadly levels of carbon monoxide would be found only 100 feet from the nearest home. This is way too close. Also, this simulation was based on one battery container that burns for 30 minutes, and it doesn't take into account multiple battery containers will burn and burn for days. Also, these examples I've shown you are much, much smaller than the project that Menard wants to propose for Vacaville. 32 acres of these containers would be 533 containers, I believe. So um, the study that they did, it tells us nothing about other toxins that may be dispersed into the air and to the surrounding community. Even if this doesn't kill somebody, it could cause adverse health effects. This further proves it is unsafe at this location. We don't need another year to realize this is not safe. Our third point is that common ground can't be met. Menard says they need an extension to meet with opponents to find common ground. Well, common ground was already offered in the early part of 2023 when iron flow batteries were um, suggested as an alternative to lithium. These batteries would not pose the hazards that lithium does. The reality is many more technologies are available that come without the hazardous risks. Lithium is the cheapest and most, most readily available option for developers like Menard. We understand that California is pushing for these projects. However, there's no requirement that they have to uh, that there's no requirement that they have to be lithium and there's no mandate for them. Menard is not proposing to change their technology to a safer one. They're asking to use the same lithium system. Even after their manufacturer's first installation of the new product was only seven months ago. And during those seven months, there has already been three separate fires. We don't believe the extension would be used to find common ground, but rather drag this out, trying to convince everyone to allow the project to proceed as is. Fourth, no outreach. Another reason to deny the request, they haven't done the outreach they promised to do. The only people doing outreach are the city and the residents. You've seen different people from our group at the farmer's market, at the soccer games, at local events. Other people are putting out signs, passing out flyers. The members performing outreach consists of dozens of people all pitching in to keep Vacaville safe. It's been four months since the community meeting and there's been no outreach on Menard's part. In their request letter, they even admit there has been none. In addition, it's been a whole year and Menard has never directly contacted any of the immediate neighbors to the property. Menard didn't even provide outreach for this meeting. The city did, and we did. They didn't even put it on their website. So while they talk about providing more outreach, it's still not being done. Fifth, no experience. Menard Energy has admitted they have never built a battery storage in the United States. 
we strongly recommend against a company with no experience. One year ago today, you entered in this agreement. We are counting on you to end it today. On behalf of the group Keep Vacaville Safe and the 3,000 or 4,000 <laughs> people who signed the petition in opposition to this project, I'm urging you to vote no to Menard's extension request. We don't need another year to realize this is not the right company nor the right project for this location. Thank you. So, um, thank you for the presentation. And what I want to do at this point is, is I'm going to open it up to the public for, for um, your three minutes. I believe there's about 30 of you that are, have uh, chosen to speak tonight. What I am going to ask is, is um, applause doesn't do anything other than make you feel good or the person who's speaking. It, it doesn't uh, sway or persuade. So, so simply just offer the respect and you know, consider the, the comments and allow people to, to share what they want to say. The second thing that I'll say is um, I appreciate the, the respectfulness that many of you have shown over the course of months as you've come to the council to share your positions. But in, in giving um, this extra time to make a presentation, the ask is please don't repeat. We don't, I mean, if you need your three minutes, that's fine. It's your three minutes. But if it's simply to reiterate somebody else's comments, consider what you can offer and what you can add so that we can be orderly. And again, I'm just going to ask you to refrain from the applause uh, from an audible perspective but you can certainly resonate with however you feel about the comments. And so with this, I'm going to open it up uh, for the floor. You have three minutes. The microphone, I do believe, is on, and there will be a countdown timer to help remind you just to be respectful of everyone's time. So it's going to be done in an order, and, and there is, I, I believe, those, I think it says the first, the first 10. It says B10 through B15. If you could, come and line up. Uh, at the podium, and B10 will be the very first person to speak. B10 through B15. And the goal here is, is to, to have people in line so that we're not waiting for people to get to the podium. So we'll, we'll all work through this, and we'll get it in order. So It's kind of like when we're at the airport and we're, we're trying to line up for Southwest, <laughs> wishing we were in the row A. Good evening. Good evening. Hello, can you hear me okay? Yes. Uh, good evening, Mayor, Carly, Vice Mayor, Council Members, and City Staff. My name is Thang, and I am a 20-year resident of Vacville. I want to thank City Staff and Ampere for providing information to help City Council and residents in deciding if this project is right for Vacville. I'm a resident who is in favor of strategic growth and prosperity. However, I do not think that this project is right for Vacville. There is too much risk and too little re reward for us. The financial gain is low and the site is too close to residents and Kaiser. Red flags to me are the following. Number one, the site is too close to a creek. The proposed project is built right next to one. Number two, the site is too close to residents and Kaiser, as previously mentioned. One thing is we've worked very hard to live here and the right, um, we have the right to enjoy being outside in a place free of project-produced pollutants. The other red flag is the contract will be with an LOC, which should be a, re a huge red flag. Being a Delaware LOC further increases the risk of Vacaville. 
If the project is actually built, we will very likely be in the headlines in a negative way. When, not if the great battery fire of Vacaville happens and everyone gets sued, Vacaville will be the only one left as a defendant because the city cannot file for bankruptcy and dissolve as easily as an LLC. Number four, Vacaville does not directly get the benefit of power when there is a blackout. Regarding the extension request letter, I appreciate that Ampere recognizes that there is opposition. The letter goes on to state that the opposition is driven by misinformation. Frankly, that is very insulting. Uh, Vacaville is home to many technical and overall really smart people. We did our homework, therefore additional community outreach is not necessary and will not change our minds. We, we reviewed all the material provided and did our own anal analysis. So please respect our conclusion. In closing, I wanna say thank you to Ampere for thinking of us. You made a proposal. We told you that we do not like it. It is now time for all of us to move on. To city council, as my elected representatives, I am being, being direct in telling all of you to vote no on the extension so that this ends here and we can move on to other city business. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening, Mayor and City Council members. My name is Reva Correa. The reason I'm attending this meeting is to ask the City Council to deny the extension for Menard Energy. It is my estimation that the state, county, city don't have enough information on battery storage facility incidents and the toxins released. There are not enough groundwater studies after these incidents. The state or federal government needs to set parameters on how close these facilities can be built next to residents, schools, and hospitals. If you do not allow, if you do allow the extension and Menard to build, then I feel we as residents should ask for mandatory test wells and public release of findings. The reason I bring up the test wells is another catastrophe. Flint, Michigan water catastrophe was primarily because they hid groundwater tests. And now nine years later, lawsuits continue and the criminal cases on city government are still pending. Just a few descriptions of the Flint crisis are lack of preparedness, delay, inaction, and environmental injustice. This state, county, and city need to do their homework and provide good health and welfare for all residents and to be informed and prepared. Money isn't everything. You can't buy back good soil or good water. And one more thing. If the batteries and storage facilities are for the sake of our climate, then we need to get smarter on additional toxins released into the air we breathe and the water we drink and depend on. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Good evening. Good evening, Mayor and City Council members. My name is Kathy DeFrancesco. I have five questions that I'd like to ask and then I have a comment at the end. And these questions are based on the lack of transparency from Menard and Ampere. The first one is, how much is the city of Vacaville being paid to approve permits for the type, this type of facility? And how much did they pay for the permits? What environmental impact studies have been done so far? What other promises slash financial gains have the city of Vacaville been given if this facility is built? 
Have any members of the city council had any personal interests slash benefits in the building of this facility? And what fire mitigating precautions are being proposed for this facility? And then finally, my comment is uh, the fact that Ampere and Menard companies felt the need to run this storage facility through with no community awareness in our minds is evidence of their arrogance and lack of understanding of the community closeness of the city citizens of Vacaville. It is nice of Menard to grant us community outreach now, but we feel it is too late. And I respectfully request the city council to deny this facility being built for the extension for one year. Um, we're not interested in having it. And finally, I know that the representative for Ampere mentioned the CDC. The CDC has lost much credibility based on their past performance and their lack of peer-reviewed research. And finally, if the federal government mandates renewable energy, they should only use federal lands that are remote to house these types of facilities. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening, Mayor Carley, City Council, City Staff, Leo Escarciga, Leisure Town. To begin, I would like to acknowledge our State Assembly Member, Lori Wilson, and Field Representative Mohammed Umbashi. I believe Mohammed is here this evening. Uh, Mohammed, would you raise your hand, please? Thank you for joining us. Uh, Assembly Member Wilson took time to meet with the community to hear our concerns with this project. Mohammed attended a number of council meetings, so thank you for listening and your support. The volunteer grassroots community group, Keep Vacaville Safe, united to inform the residents on the battery storage project. From downtown Farmers Market to the soccer field at Centennial Park and all points in between, we gathered over 1,000 signatures in opposition to the project. An online petition campaign gathered over 3,000 signatures. Many of you are here this evening to voice your concerns with, with your signature, so thank you very much. Mayor Carley, City Council members, thank you for taking the time to read our emails as well and listening to our concerns over this project at the City Council meetings. I urge the City Council to vote no on the Menard extension this evening. Thank you. Thank you. And can I have B16 through B20 to begin lining up? Good evening. Good evening. They have asked for another year because it's obvious they want to wait us out. The lack of outreach is proof. They've had since September of this year to start reaching out. And yet we're being told now that they already have a community packet and none of us were involved in this community benefit packet. All of their answers have been worded to address short terms such as fire suppression is water groundwater leaching won't be an issue because they're not using water for fire suppression. However, what happens in 15 years when these batteries are degrading and leaching into groundwater right next to a, a creek? We are not at the forefront of Menard, dollar signs are. Who here wants the city council to vote no 
to this extension to end this tonight. Please raise your signs. Hand signs. Those are all Vacaville residents. We, are, we have nothing to gain and a lot to lose. We are not asking for anything more than what we have now. We live here, we are raising our families here. These are our friends, your neighbors. You'll see them at the store, at school, at work, at church. They won't get a paycheck or a gift card for coming here. Those are your constituents. However, this is not a political issue. This is a quality of life issue. It is a safety issue. We are all here because we live here and are urging you to vote no to extending this agreement. And let me be clear, we are not against renewable energy or green energy or providing jobs to Vacaville. However, nine months worth of jobs does not outweigh long-term effects that Vacaville could have. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening, Derek Johnson, Browns Valley. Good evening, Mayor, Vice Mayor, members of the City Council and City staff. I'm here tonight to encourage the City Council to vote no on the entrance extension. We're told we only have one chance to make a good impression, and their extension request is clearly an admission they did not make a good impression, and all the more reason to say no. They admit they didn't execute a robust and transparent community outreach, nor disclose the complete picture of their company. They had a year to be proactive, yet they didn't. When their presentation met with opposition this past September, they could have done more, yet they didn't. They have $650 million to put into a BEST facility, $20 million in a proposed community benefit, and a plan to pay $9 million in installments for the land itself, yet the only outreach they can do in one year is build a website. This is a Hail Mary pass, promising committees, cash, and consultants to determine what's the price to pay to play in Vacaville. If given an extension, this upcoming year will not be about energy resiliency or contributing to our city. It's going to be about surveying elected officials, finding out who's for it, who's against it, who may need to face some hearty opposition, and how big that community benefit check really needs to be to convince more residents to be less opposed. As for their company, it's a carnival cup game in which one tries to find the ball under the moving cups. You won't find information about Menard Energy LLC prior, prior to the ENRA when DG Power itself committed, committed them with scant public info themselves. They pitched this concept only to turn it over to Ampere, which is a closer. Ampere is merely the corporate creation of Hartree Partners, an energy commodities trader, and their part owner and financier, Oak Tree Capital. And while Hartree and Oak Tree have been around since the late 1990s, their speculation has only started in 2020 with the creation of AGP Singapore, which spawned Ampere Global, also in Singapore, and finally coming to the United States in just March of 2022. All in all, there's only about 100 employees worldwide at Ampere. That's an odd profile for an energy company, except when you see an answer to one of the FAQ questions on the city site. Who will manage and operate the potential plant? The answer, quote, that decision would be subject to the study, evaluation, design processes during the permitting phase. This tells us all we need to know about Ampere. They don't know and they don't care. In sum, they're not about energy solutions. Pure and simple, it's about making a return investment for themselves and their investors. It's not build, manage, and operate. It's develop, execute, and flip. Last month, Hartree sold its interest in natural gas storage assets in Louisiana and Mississippi for nearly $2 billion. They're not going to wait 20 or so years for an ROI. They're out the minute they receive a benefit 
to their portfolio. Our benefit is inconsequential. To close, please vote no. Don't gamble on their speculation. Do not gamble on our residents' safety, our home values, insurance rates, or even insurability. We don't have global commodity traders and financiers backing us if this goes south. Thank you, yeah, thank you. Thank you for your time. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you for giving me this chance. Uh, my name is Tracy Kleber, and I represent one of the people that had to be evacuated dur during the LNU fire. And uh, just I want to paint a little picture of what a lot of us feel. Um, and a little bit about me. I'm a travel agent. And one of our branch offices is Cal Travel Store, who handles the state of California travel. On August 18th, the day before the LNU complex fire, I intercepted a call from Cal Fire. They were in desperate need of vehicles and told me that the fire had erupted out of control in Sonoma and Napa. I transferred their call to Cal Travel Store Department to help them with their urgent need. Later that night, I took the photo that I, it's too small at the moment, uh, I took a photo from my home, which I live off of Midway Road, uh, about a mile north of uh, Midway, and it, the fire didn't look, out of, I mean, it didn't look like it was coming our way, and I never dreamed that that night I'd have to evacuate. Uh, by 2 a.m., August 19th, the Vacaville Sheriff came to our door and told us to immediately evacuate. We could hear explosions outside and the temperature felt like it was over 100 degrees. We asked the Sheriff what, what the sound was and he told, he told us that it was the propane tanks exploding and um, that we were going to possibly lose the English Hills. He said the fi Vacaville Fire Department was doing everything they could to keep the fire from burning down the city. He said Cal Fire wouldn't have anyone to us until the next day. Uh, we've never been so nervous living in Vacaville, and we did find out that Vacaville had had a, a similar fire back in the 1960s. Um, we still have anxiety every time there's a strong wind and there's dry grass. We feel that having this battery plant in the middle of our grasslands is a disaster waiting to happen. It's so close to the, the community. And I just hope that you'll consider uh, voting no for this situation. Thank you. Thank you. You can have B20 through B25 to come line up. Good evening, Council Residents. My name is Kyle Swarns. I'm a field representative with Carpenters Local Unit 180 in Solano County, representing roughly a couple thousand members. I'm here tonight to speak in favor of, to continue the ENRA. We're not approving the project tonight. We're just asking to continue it. Um, I know a lot of residents have some legit concerns. There are no secrets about some of the battery storage locations throughout the U.S. have caught fire. I'd like to ask the Council and the residents, please do your own research. Battery storages has come a long way and are safer than what's been presented. I've heard many scare tactics, including attending the Water Agency Board meeting for Forever California, 
and feeding off emotions. I've heard people in the crowd telling people Menard battery storage is part of Forever California, a fact that's far from the truth and why I'm asking, for, asking everyone to do their own research. If you go onto cleanpower.org's website, they state safety issues, including fires, are rare due to the safety measures that have taken uh, precautions from happening. If a fire happens to take place, they are isolated and doesn't spread when properly built and monitored. <coughs> Energystorage.news' website has an article stating, even insurance costs for these facilities has fallen due to the technology changes and de decreasing concerns. A common statement when you read about any facility that has had a fire taking place, including one in Idaho, you guys all saw the picture that was presented earlier, a statement that was sta from Idaho Power, we have received primary testing results from third-party companies that assess air quality in the area around the fire use and a real-time monitor. Those results indicate the total concentration of the substance measured did not exceed what would normally be measured in the area. And the last thing I'd like to end on, in my discussions with Menard Battery Storage, one of their top concerns about when selecting a contractor is the safety, making sure it's quality built, making sure the safety of the residents, because that's one of the more, uh, the more important things of a battery storage getting built is the built properly the first time so some of these issues that have happened in some of these other facilities don't take place here in Vacaville. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Good evening. Uh, good evening, Eric Romquay from uh, North Village. Uh, Mayor, Vice Mayor, City Council, and City Staff, thank you for your time and putting this meeting on. We appreciate it. I think we can all agree that with very little time spent doing a Google search on safety concerns with these battery storage facilities, that it's not a matter of if they will catch fire, it's a matter of when. Furthermore, there's no real option of putting the fire out other than to let it burn itself out. All the while, polluting the air with deadly chemicals that every person nearby will breathe. Vacaville, and more specifically the North Village community and surrounding neighborhoods, is home to thousands of both active duty and veterans of the United States military. When I served, and for those currently serving, when we were ordered to go abroad, we were put into dangerous situations which also included the air we had to breathe. When we were on orders abroad, these situations can be expected, and because of our duties, accepted. But being back home, we should feel safe. Veterans and citizens alike consider our homes our safe havens. If you proceed with this project, you will be taking away our safe havens and giving this benefit to a company who is based outside of the United States and essentially giving them permission to use us as their guinea pigs. Therefore, I implore the city of Vacaville to do right by all the residents of North Village and the surrounding neighborhoods to ensure our safety and not allow this project to go forward. This technology is here to stay. I'm sure we need it, but not in a residential area. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Before I get started, can I hand off some things? Sure. Just, yeah, just hand it to there and we'll, you can get started.
Looks like you might have seen this before. You can go ahead. Oh, wait. Okay. So, hello, Mayor, new Vice Mayor and Council. A year ago today, on January 10th, 2023, we expressed our concerns with battery storage facilities. That night, Menard Representative Dale Fredericks told us all, and I quote, these stories that you sometimes hear about batteries catching fire and seeing pictures of Tesla cars catching on fire, that is old antiquated technology, nothing at all like we would be utilizing for a utility scale energy storage facility, end quote. Since then, seven battery storage facilities have caught fire, three of those using the same Poen LFP batteries that Menard is proposing to use. Last night, we heard that when it comes to safety issues and battery storage facilities, experience matters. I want to remind you that Menard has not built a battery storage facility in the United States. And this is where they want to put the first one. After this past year and the great questions, and after the great questions and comments from concerned residents during the September 7th meeting, I can't believe anybody would support this project at this location anymore. It's the wrong technology at the wrong location. Additionally, no matter what, because of AB 205, you don't want to sell this property. You will lose most of the local, local control. And you may not be aware of this, but Menard has already submitted an interconnect request for the site back in April of 2020 for a 900 megawatt facility and that's what I gave you on the second line from the bottom that is the um, the line you'll see the line and it shows that it's Menard energy storage back at Dixon substation 900 megawatts they've already looked into 900 megawatts this 400 three to 400 that's just a start that's I, I think there's bigger ideas and what we see is that a lot of people do that in the beginning, get their their foot in the door to get started, and then they go bigger. If they went with 900, that would be the, if that's their ultimate goal, that would be the largest in California. Now keep in mind that this was from April of 2020. They hadn't even made a request to the city yet for a battery storage facility until August of 2020. Thank you. Can I finish? Uh, no, your time's up. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, then. Good evening. Hi. I'm Mayor, uh, Vice Mayor, City Council members. Uh, my name is Leonard Basoko. I'm a resident of Solano County, and I've been a union carpenter ever since then, too, for about 25 years. Um, I'm in favor of this project that will put me, my brothers, my sisters to work. Uh, you know, we all like having a job that's close to home. Uh, you know, instead of, you know, driving hours like San Francisco, I know I've taken where it's been two and a half hours getting home, but um, th these projects also give new apprentices an opportunity to start a career, uh, to support their uh, families with good pay, benefits. So uh, I'm just asking you to grant the extension, put local carpenters to work. All right, thank you. Thank you. I have uh, 26 through 30 to line up. 
I'm 24. I'm in that group, the earlier group. That's fine. You continue. Good evening, council members and mayor. My name is Rosie Stabile. I'm here to respectfully ask you to deny Menard's request to extend their application. There is no dispute that long-term exposure to the chemicals that are used in these batteries and the toxins, the gases that are produced, cause cancer, organ damage, weakening to the immune system, respiratory illnesses, birth defects, and deficits in the mental, intellectual, and physical development of children. And no one disputes that these batteries catch fire. Monard's position is that, is that this is new technology, that it is safe, and that there is no risk. The only reason they can say that is because adequate studies have not been done yet. They also stated that there is no contamination issue because there is no water. When these fires occur, the particles will come down on the surrounding vegetation. They get absorbed through the leaves, down to the roots, and into the soil. They will also come down into the irrigation water, which is right next door, which is used by the farmers. Also, the area is in a basin. Water will collect in it, just like a pothole, and then seep into the ground. Their solution is a cement platform. Again, when we have heavy rains, and water will collect, and it will need to be pumped out. That water will be contaminated. Where will it go? We understand the need for renewable energy, but this is not the only way. These facilities need to be hundreds of miles away from populated cities. Servers go down, computers crash, fan motors and sprinkler systems fail, spills and industrial accidents will occur. Nothing is fail safe. I was gonna mention Idaho, but Sarah already did that, so I'm gonna pass that. Um, Vacaville will not allow the establishment of any cannabis dispensaries due to the risk of an increase in crime and because we do not want to promote the use of drugs as both pose a serious threat to our community. Vacaville also has a ban on fireworks and a zero tolerance due to the threat of fires, a threat with a two-week duration. Thank you on both accounts. Approving this project will pose a serious volatile threat to our environment and to our health 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year for 20 years. This doesn't make any sense. It is not safe in any way, shape, or form. Vacaville is a beautiful city that provides a safe and high quality of life to its residents. Your people put solar on our homes, we conserve water, we recycle just about everything, we collect food waste from, for composting, etc. We are doing everything right to preserve and protect our environment and our health. We need your help. We have plenty of parks, we don't need more. We need clean air, clean soil, and clean water so that we can continue to thrive. Please put an end to this nightmare once and for all. Please restore calm, peace, and tranquility into our lives and help us maintain our basic right to Thank health and safety. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's how it's done. <laughs> Good evening. Mr. Mayor, members of the council, Dale Fredericks, you may remember I am the original developer of this project starting several years ago and one that I initiated at the request of a prior council to explore uh, the possibility of putting battery storage on the old Gibson Creek wastewater treatment plant site. And we have worked at that. Now, a little over a year ago, I am the one individual that negotiated terms of the NRA with your staff before it was presented to council. And I will tell you that the concept of outreach was not even discussed, let alone included in the document. One may read and search in vain for this word outreach in the NRA. It wasn't required of us, it wasn't contemplated. We would anticipate getting to public outreach later, as Mr. Howe said. 
Once we were further along, we had actually filed a permit application, started the CEQA, and the public outreach normally occurs at that time. It wasn't contemplated ever that at an early date we'd engage in public outreach. In fact, the Menard team timely discharged all of its obligations under the UNRWA, as the staff's summary acknowledges that. And yet the staff report you see tonight does criticize us for lack of outreach. It was not required unless the city now wants to impose additional obligations on Menard that were not part of the contract. Um, now, on the merits of people's concerns and comments, I think we all agree that there are issues that need to be fully aired on any battery storage facility. But you tonight and for the last months have been flooded with a lot of misinformation and incorrect facts. We don't have time to take uh, a full debate on that tonight, and I'm not going to attempt to do it. But I say that over time, the truth will come out. Facts are stubborn things. People are entitled to their own opinions, but they're not entitled to their own alternative facts. Now, uh, just a moment ago, the gentleman mentioned that Menard had applied to the California ISO for interconnection rights at 900 megawatts. He's factually incorrect. You can go to the ISO website. Originally, the application was for a 700 megawatt facility that has been amended under deliverability rules to 400. So we uh, very much disagree with many of the comments tonight and think that the next period of time would be beneficial to all concerned to more thoroughly air this project before we get to the next key vote of the council. Would you grant Menard an option to buy the property subject to going through the full permitting process, CEQA, public outreach, and then make a decision on the merits? That's later. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Nice yeah. to see you guys all again. Um, Menard stated that heat can be let off. That means thermal runaway, which causes explosions and fires. Menard said that fires don't jump containers, but they have. Menard says gases given off are undetectable, so harmless. Greg McConville, United Firefighters Union of Australia National Secretary says, best fires release an array of deadly toxins, including carbon monoxide, hydrogen cyanide, and hydrogen fluoride. These toxins are especially dangerous because they are absorbed through the skin and no personal protective clothing protects you. Carbon monoxide and hydrogen cyanide both prevent the body using oxygen. Cyanide affects organs that rely on high levels of oxygen, such as the heart and the brain. New York State Senator Mark Walschitz wants a pause on projects involving lithium-ion battery storage, stating the reactions can be odorless, tasteless, and deadly. The London Brigade has warned that fires involving lithium-ion batteries are the fastest growing fire risk in London. Menard, who is an MPR, failed to state that their pr primary headquarters are in China. Menard states that batteries will be made in America. I gave you documentation of how China creates companies like Goshen to make batteries in the U.S. By the way, 
Green Charter Michigan got rid of their entire city council over this. Components of these batteries are strip mined. Many more fossil fuels are used to make them than are saved by them, and also lots of child and slave laborers potentially used. You can't save the planet by destroying the planet and endangering our community. Limited liability means not a stakeholder. Vacaville stakeholders say no with over 4,000 signatures. Send a strong message to Menard that Vacaville is not for sale with a unanimous vote of no. Facts are stubborn things. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening, Mayor, Council Members. Uh, my name is Chris Palomo, and I'd first like to thank you for allowing me to speak tonight. I'm a carpenter, and me and my family have been members of this community for 20 years. I'm here to advocate for the implementation of this battery storage project in our community. This initiative not only aligns with our commitment to sustainable energy, but also holds significant benefits for our local construction workers. Firstly, embracing battery storage enhances our city's resilience for providing a reliable backup power source, crucial in times of out outages or emergencies. This ensures uninterrupted services for our residents and businesses. Moreover, the implementation of this project presents a unique opportunity to boost our local economy. By uh, engaging our skilled construction workforce, we not only create job opportunities, but also invest in the development of our, com of our community. These projects require skilled labor, providing employment and supporting the livelihoods of our local workers. As we transition towards a greener future, this battery storage project serves as a beacon of progress, showcasing Vacaville's commitment to environmental sustainability. By leading in this initiative, we set an example of neighboring communities contribute to the broader effort in combating climate change. In conclusion, the benefits of a battery storage project uh, extend beyond mere infrastructure. It's an investment in our community's resilience, a catalyst for economic growth, and a testament to our dedication to a sustainable future. I urge the City Council to support and prioritize this project for the betterment of Vacaville and its residents. Thank you for your time. Good evening. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for allowing me to speak. My name is Richie Cruz. I'm a union carpenter as well, and I think my family came here back in 2010. It's a pleasure to be here. I've been here for plenty of graduations, music ceremonies, and it's always a ball to be here. And I'm also speaking in support of this project. Um, I've been a member of this membership since 2017, and I don't think I've worked relatively close to this community at all, and it's a shame because I'm willing to invest a lot more into this community than than I have in the past, you know, but I think that there is a lot of legwork to be done with this project. As we know, we're not approving this project today, but with this year extension, let's give these folk an opportunity to prove to us that they are a responsible contract or they are a responsible developer because I do know that they are using responsible contractors indeed. So again, I just want to say thank you for this time and have a good evening. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening. I don't know if you can hear me yes. or not. Yes. Mayor, Vice Mayor, City Council, staff, Pam Berenger, Mills Lane, here I am again. Um, I was up here one time before and talked about the amount of people that are basically within a mile of this facility. There's going to be close to 4,000 homes after the second phase of North this Village with the apartments and the buildings and all that. And I think I said something about three people per home would be 12,000 folks within a mile of this facility. 
Um, I'm also listening to the union workers, and I appreciate the union. I'm all for the union, and I'm all for the apprentices learning. Um, what I'm not all for is that after it is built, there'll be two jobs, two jobs for 20 years. So I appreciate that the union is going to get work, okay, two jobs. How do, and I've also heard that the energy that they're storing is not going to benefit Vacaville. Um, not sure if that's 100% correct, but I don't think Vacaville is going to get much. Menards, as far as the city outreach, it should be respect. It shouldn't be written in an INRA especially with a project like this. They should be respectful of Vacaville, they should be respectful of the citizens, and they should respect us. They've taken the time, okay, to write an article that's available on the city website, keepvacavillesafe.com link is not there yet that I asked for a couple months ago, okay? But Menards has taken the time to tell everybody how your citizens are gaslighting everybody. Okay, it's not Menards. It's not your citizens that are gaslighting. It's Menards who's gaslighting, okay? But they're wanting to use lithium ion, and that's much, much more dangerous. I really encourage this extension not to go anywhere. Vote no, keep Vacaville safe. Keep your children safe. My grandson doesn't wanna move. Thank you for your time. Thank you. And uh, can I have the, the next group come up? I believe it's 30 through 35. Hi, or I'm Sharon Shower. Hold on one second. Just give me a second. I'm trying to get the next group in order. Is it, uh, what number are you? What, what number were you? I think she's hard of hearing. Okay. Oh. I'm 30, she's 33. 33. Could I have the, uh, the next group come forward? You can come forward and speak, though. I'm just trying to get the next group to come forward. 36 through 40. Good evening. All right. I'm Sharon Schauer. I live in Leisure Town, which is a community right near where all this is supposed to happen. It's a community uh, of all elderly people, 50% of which uh, are bedridden or on oxygen or use wheelchairs, walkers, and canes. If there's an evacuation, it would be a nightmare, a disaster. Um, I didn't bring paper or anything with me. I was reading in the paper, of course, you know, fake news, but about a ship that was transporting these lithium batteries and they caught on fire. And they, for a while, I'm sure they're gone now. This was a few weeks ago, only weeks though. And they uh, sat uh, 300 miles away from Alaska, a rough part of Alaska where not many people were, to protect property and people. What? 300 miles? Really? I don't know too much about this. I was shopping for food, and that's why I found out about it. That's a poor way to find out about things. Um, at a flea market. <laughs> uh, I've lived here for 35 years. I'll probably die here. But when I do, I want to make sure that my kids and my grandkids are safe. And is this the 
This is the first one in the United States. They took a pin and decided on Vacaville? They must have tried other places and were refused. I don't know. Sounds suspicious to me. Anyway, I, I hope you I hope you vote no on this. It sounds really terrible. And I guess that's it. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening. My name is Sarah Velasquez. I'm a resident and teacher here in Vacaville. Um, I'm not going to repeat a lot of things that people have already said, but I would like to comment on something that the gentleman said about the fact that community outreach was never an, a priority when this project came to be until after the permit was granted to Menard. That should show everybody in the room the level of respect that Menard has for the community residents of this community. You don't, that's like getting, closing the barn doors after the horse is already gone. That doesn't work. Um, why should we believe that this LLC who's based in Delaware, which is notorious for not holding companies liable, that's why they do LLCs in Delaware. There's a reason for that. It's very hard to hold these companies liable should something go south. Um, we don't need to be the guinea pig. Why Vacaville, California? Pick somewhere else in the United States. Pick somewhere else in California. Why us? Um, there are, I can't imagine the benefits we would get compared to what the cost, and that cost-benefit analysis, where would that be? Um, there are far too many ifs in this equation. To say that the smoke would not go past the property line is just absurd. And as all of us who went through the fires in 2020, we know that's not true. You can't guarantee where smoke and fire is going to go. Frankly, our next door neighbor's house burned in July. And but for the fact there was a south wind and not a north wind that day, our house didn't go down too. And the nine fire departments that came and saved our house. So um, I would ask the council to remember that this facility, when you look on the map of where this facility is, the city boundaries were changed. You can see it cut out to go around that boundary. Everybody else is, in, is a county residence, as we are. We live about a mile from this facility. So even though we don't vote for city council, we work here, our kids go to school here, we spend a lot of money in this town, and we need your support. We need you to say no to this extension and no to this project, and let's just be done with it. Thank you. Good evening. Um, Good thank evening. you for allowing me this time to speak. My name is Jonna Dyer. Um, I am a master's trained surgical nurse. Um, I work at Sutter Davis Hospital. I'm a member of the 349th at Travis Air Force Base, a reserve unit. Um, and we moved to the city of Acaville in 2013 from Vallejo, and I have been a proud member. And I ask myself, how can I leave this community better than when I found it? And I hope that you are all asking yourselves the same question um, because we are counting on you to take care of us. Um, I coach soccer for this community. I try to encourage the youth of our community to think the same thing so that they can make it better for their children. Um, I am insulted that this company thinks that we are not able to make educated decisions. Um, as a master's trained nurse, I do know how to look and read research, and I do find it insulting that you would insinuate that we are not able to do that for ourselves. Um, Another year of this is another year that this is taking our time away from our families. I had to miss my daughter's soccer game. She scored her first goal this season this year. Um, I don't appreciate being here and missing those things, but this is important to me because her health and welfare, as a health and welfare of this community, which I've dedicated my life to serving, uh, working countless hours of overtime, as many of the nurses do in this community, is important to us. Um, and so I'm here, but we don't want to spend another year trying to advocate for our health and safety and um, protection of our homes, our properties, and our animals. 
Um, I wanted to touch on a lot of things that other people have as a member of the military. When we are sent to dangerous environments, we have protective equipment. In our homes, we don't have protective equipment. And we're also guaranteed indefinite health care and compensation if we are going to receive uh, permanent damage from things that we encounter um, when we're on the battlefield. With an LLC, we're not guaranteed that. There's not going to be anyone providing us compensation over time or PPE when any of these things are occurring. Um, we do have some support, but none of them, a couple of them stated they were members of the community, but I'm wondering how close they are. As a member of North Village, we are very close to this. So we have a very personal stake in where my family, where this is located. Um, so I am curious about that. Additionally, um, as far as the outreach, they said that they wanted to be up here two years ago. But two years ago, we knew that we had un uh, we had technology that wasn't quite as safe. So they were still going to try to sway our opinion with less safe technology because it would be a financial benefit to them. Um, we don't have rolling back blackouts in the North Village community. So that's not an, anything that we are concerned about in that community. Um, and then in healthcare, we don't take a best case scenario approach to things. So if we have one fire in one small container, we look at the worst case scenario and we go backwards so that we can mitigate our risk. And I think that it's important that the council does that for us in this. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, Mayor and city council members, thank you for your time. Um, I'm not gonna rehash what's already been said on a technical level, but I did wanna point out some things. Uh, when it comes to experience, Maynard, this is best reflected in their lack of community outreach. They hired a polished communications head for a reason. As Ms. Cra uh, Craig had alluded, she would have joined two years ago to start this community outreach if she could have. Uh, for a company that claims to have global experience, they've already showed their incompetence and their ability to foresee all the challenges related to building a project so close to res residential development. As Mr. Howe had kept reiterating, they had no duty under the ERNA uh, to do this they hang their hat on the fact that it wasn't required. A mature company with experience would have known better and would have tried. That's why they hired an polished communications head to do better. The location, as you've heard from their presentation, they're unwilling to consider other locations. It comes down to them, for them to cost and proximity to the PG&E substation, not safety. This is a dollars and cents game. You can see that in the benefits that they offer the Vacaville community as somewhat of a bribe. That's the way I look at it. It's the only thing that's being offered to the, the Vacaville city is a revenue base based on the sell or the leasing of the property and these community benefits. They stand to make over 600 million or so um, and that's a little drop in the bucket for the city of uh, Vacaville. Um, Mr. Howe had claimed that there had been a lot of misinformation out there um, so I thought I would speak to what they had posted on their website. Uh, they had mentioned on their website, according to their source, Electric Power Research Institute, there have been 22 fires associated with utility-scale lithium-ion best facilities out of 500 operational best facilities in the United States since 2012. That's a little over 10 years. Um, Mr. Howe had corrected that and said there's only about 19. Um, that brings that down to a 3.8% fail rate. I'm not sure what an acceptable failure rate is, but I imagine one fire, especially near a residential development, is unacceptable. There's no acceptable amount or percentage of failure rate when it comes to a best fire. The last thing I'd want to mention is business candor. Their website goes far as calling the community uh, gaslighting its citizens. 
this is supposed to be a collaborative project and they want to do a lot of community outreach, but they have not shown once during this process that they are collaborative in their approach. This is a sign of an immature company that doesn't want to be here for the long term. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening. My name is Kimberly Hall. I, along with my fiance, Brian Nillette, own the third closest home to the proposed project. Unfortunately, Brian is the public speaker between the two of us and is currently traveling with the Air Force, so was unable to make it, forcing me to face my fear of public speaking, so bear with me. We moved here two years ago after several years of living in Vallejo. We fell in love with our home on Mills Lane. It's supposed to be our forever home. We want... <coughs> we, sorry. Public speaking fear, guys. <laughs> we wanted to live somewhere that we could have a little bit of acreage for our animals, horses, chickens, dogs. We wanted to live somewhere where we felt safe, a feeling that we no longer had in Vallejo with increasing crime. We wanted to live in a city that cared about its residents and creating a community that its residents are proud of and feel safe in. We moved here to improve our quality of life. These are all things that we still feel Vacaville encompasses and works to maintain true to its mission. We attended the town hall meeting where Menard's representatives came to speak with the community. Brian and I sat quietly and listened to what everyone had to say. Many concerns were brought forth by residents of Vacaville. Not many answers were provided by Menard until a later date. From what I understand, the facility will be extremely large. Large best facilities such as this have no place in the middle of homes, especially in a town like Vacaville that is not an urban city with limited land. Menard continues to tell us that their project is safe, that no noise issues or issues with fire will go past the property perimeter. Long after Menard has completed their project and gone home, we will be the ones that are affected by this project. The city said no to this project in 2020, and I'm asking you to put a stop to this tonight um, so that we don't have to continue this for another year. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, Mayor. Vice Mayor, Council Members, Staff. My name is John Thomas, retired Special Forces SAR Major, disabled veteran. Now, I'm here and I'm going to support some of the things you said. Again, I'm surprised that we're here. You're saying Green New Deals. Well, hemp is Green New Deal that we did in 1941. I Google this tonight. This is from Clemson News from the College of Engineers, Computer and Applied Sciences, College of Sciences and Research. <laughs> you say there's no problems with fires. Well, New York and San Francisco has handled 660 fires from 2021 to 2023. Two of those, 12, are deaths. 12 died. 260 injuries. We didn't hear that. This is from Clemson, engineers. I Google this tonight, sitting over there. Now, one thing that I believe in, being a SAR major, if I had a team SAR bring some crap like this and lack of planning, he's fired. My God, how, <laughs> how can you come here knowing that you're going to spend over $600 million and you're not prepared? Oh, my God. So when you're looking at this, how is this cool? So when you look at a natural, a natural EV fire, it burns at roughly 5,000 degrees. 
for a gas fire, it takes 2,000 gallons of water to put it out. For their stuff, 10 times more. 10 times more. You didn't mention that. And I didn't make this up. This is Clemson. You can Google it. It's lithium-ion battery fires are growing public safety concern. Here's how to reduce the risk. Don't do it. Don't do it. If you're saying Green New Deal, if you're digging and you're destroying an environment to get a lithium, that's not green. That's destruction. Let's start. So, and I believe in Saturn's ring perspective for the banker. Verbs displays skills and abilities of nouns. Actions always speak louder than words. Always. So, something to think about. Thank you for your time. Thank you. And could I have uh, 40 to 45 also? Uh, I'm sorry. I think I'm the last person. You're the last one. Okay. All right. Well, this is this will be very brief. So, um, I moved here also five or six years ago, and I'm also a person that has fallen in love with this community and with Vacaville in general. It's a beautiful city, and I've been following these meetings, and I've listened, and I've listened, and I've listened. And it's really clear that the Vacavillians come to you educated, and they've done their research, and I've just been so impressed with just the level of just being equipped to really make this a sound decision. And I'm not in favor of this battery factory going up. And for the North Village residents, I really feel for you guys, because when we did come to Vacaville, we almost bought in North Village. But the Lord was looking after me, and we moved a little bit further into Browns Valley, which, is, which we would be also affected if the fire, if there was a meltdown with the factory, uh, we would have to be evacuated. And, we did move here and we were caught up in the fires. And my concern, uh, some people brought this up, it wasn't really touched upon, but I have a young son here and um, I believe he's gonna wanna stay in Vacaville. My concern is about insurances and our property values and just what is the longevity down the road for our homes. I mean, the fire kind of spun us out. Our insurance dropped us. And I'm just really concerned with this factory going up that it's just not going to be a pretty picture on the long term. And I guess the question is, why is this facility going up in near homes? Why isn't there a more remote area for this to happen? Um, I hear that the Menard guy, because I was here for one of the, he does, he lives in Los Angeles. I mean, this would be no sweat for him, you know, and so fire hazards, water purity, uh, the extreme toxins in our environment. I mean, this is a no-brainer. Um, I just vote no for this, and thank you for taking the time to allow us to voice our opinion on this. Thank you. And I believe 36 through 40 is next. Good evening. Good evening, Mr. Mayor, members of the council and city staff. My name is Dave McCallum, lived in Vacaville since 1967. Um, just a couple of observations. One uh, relates to the uh, one-year extension request for the ENRA, uh, and that is why. One year, not three months, not six months, one year. What's going to be different in one year? Well, in one year, we'll have a different council. 
because this is an election year. In November, we have uh, at least three, maybe, I think maybe four, but at least three uh, seats coming up. So frankly, I think this is uh, a somewhat cynical ploy on the part of Minoy, uh, Menard, pardon me, uh, to, to frankly, to uh, see what they can get with, roll the dice and see what they can get with the next council because they do feel that uh, perhaps they're not gonna get uh, an affirmative vote with this council. So um, I, I would recommend, I understand there's option one and option two, uh, but uh, if it's possible, I would recommend that the council actually uh, maybe uh, amend this to make it a three month or a six month extension so that the same council members can make that decision. That would just be something that, that I would think, um, because frankly, I think Menard is playing a, frankly, a cynical game here. Um, the second uh, observation I want to make is that the city, uh, the state of California is uh, really hot to trot on this whole energy storage issue. The California Energy Commission, this, uh, the PUC, they're all moving forward uh, in, in many ways all over the state in uh, pushing energy storage like this project. Um, and that is unfortunate uh, for Vacaville uh, in, in this uh, project, uh, but also um, it's unfortunate mainly because um, the state has the right to come in and simply impose its will, as you well know, on, on localities. Um, unlike the state and, uh, and federal governments, there's constitutional provisions that give powers to each one. The state of California can do whatever the heck it wants with its localities. And uh, if they were to come in and uh, impose their will on the city of Vacaville, um, that could be uh, very detrimental uh, to us. So my, my proposal is that, the, is that the city council actually um, well, well, we're under pressure from the state, so we need to use our leverage to get whatever we can get out of Menard. Uh, because my fear is that this project is going to go through, be, uh, through uh, pressure from the state, and as long as that is the case, we need to get whatever it is we can get in terms of uh, safety regulations, uh, liability provisions, and things of that kind. So. Um, to give that some thought. I know the, the, the bulk of people in this audience here are opposed to this project, as am I, but I think um, it could be a done deal. And thank as you. long as that's the case, we need to get what we can get from Menard. Yeah, thank you. Good evening. That would be my biggest fear because I've never spoke in front of the city council. So Here you go. it will not turn red on me, believe me. Uh. Thank you, good evening. Um, I'm not a scientist. So I don't, and I don't have all those statistics, and I'm glad I'm the last one to speak that I see of, because that way I could soak everything up, and um, I think that the city council has a lot of information that we don't know that they have. I don't know what the statistics is. I read a lot about stuff, but I don't know what Maynard specific project and how safe it is. Is it, would it be maybe, we, do, what's the data show on their specific, um, uh, on your specific, specific project? Do we have that? I don't know. And all, I do know that I watched the presentation and this is what I found most ironic of all. If it is a good project for this city, how come I saw a picture of the Maynard project, 
right next to a park that had acres and acres, probably millions and millions of dollars put in to this show, children coming down water slides. Can we not have the water slides in the park and the everything that we would love to have for the community? We have enough stuff though, I think we already have enough. But can, if it's such a good project, the Maynard project was so good, why would you have to put this beautiful sugar-coated, beautiful water slides and everything for our children? Against, it's almost like the good against the evil. You know, you don't have to sugarcoat it. Could you it's come almost to the like what it's almost yeah, like what's going on in Fairfield with the forever California thing. I just feel like chills going down me. It was like that was exactly what I was what I've been reading. My mom is a my dad was military, my mom still lives over in Fairfield. We were raised in Fairfield. But I live in you know, Vacaville is where I've raised kids, grandchildren and all that. If it's such a wonderful project how come you have to put water slides, <laughs> merry-go-rounds, all the, you know, if it's so good, it should sit by itself and speak for itself. That's it. That's what I'm saying. It shouldn't have to have be sugar-coated. If it's sugar-coated, there's something wrong. Something's way wrong if we have to do that. So look at what, and then when it doesn't go their way, there's going to be a lot of lawsuits on the city. We already know that's what's happened at, in Fairfield. So that's what's going to happen because that's how they roll. So as you saw, they already made it look beautiful, but not their side's not beautiful. The parks and the slides and all that was real nice. That's what I found so ironic. Thank, Thank you. you. And can I have uh, the 41 through 48 to come line up? There's, this would be the last group, so. While well, you're standing there, so you have the floor. <laughs> Good evening, council members. I'm Audra Orr, a 30-year resident of Vacaville. I live on a small farm uh, a couple of miles from this property. Uh, I'm not gonna discuss the fires at the facilities or the background of this company. I've left that to the folks who've done the in-depth research. I want to talk about how a fire at this facility would affect my family and hundreds of others like us. We grow a large amount of our food in our orchard and large garden. We also have livestock who provide food for us. We get all of our water for our home, livestock, and our irrigation from our private well. We have no other source of water in our neighborhood. Any toxic chemicals released into our air, soil, or water would be devastating to our family, our livestock, and our farm. Not to mention the value of our farm, which could financially ruin us. Any of the benefits being offered by Menard to get community approval won't fix the damage done to my family if and when a fire occurs. I like to think our community is smart enough to see this for what it is. I'd like to point your attention back to the strategic plan for the agenda or for the, to the strategic plan. Per the agenda, this project falls under goal number two, strengthen the economy. I ask, does it really? I see no long-term value add to our economy as there will be no long-term jobs, not really, two, right? I mean, isn't our number one goal in the plan public safety? Please ask yourself, is any risk 
to the health and safety of our residents worth what Menard has offered? Just like last night, I ask you to use the strategic plan to guide you in this decision and put your stated number one goal of public safety first. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who had uh, come tonight holding a tab to speak? Uh, seeing that no one's at the podium, I just want to make sure that if, if you had a number and that you were speaking, that, that your, your time was not going to be missed. And seeing none, then I'm going to go ahead and close public comment. And thank you for your, your, your comments to us. Um, and bring it back to the council. I'm, sure, I'm certain the council is going to have continued questions, either from the city or from Menard. And uh, since we don't have our, our normal system here, I'm going to try and look down to my colleagues and see if there's any anyone who wishes to. Okay, Vice Mayor Richie. Yeah, I'll go first. I take my voice. Um, is it on? I really appreciate everybody coming and speaking and the passion. Um, it really reminded me, one of the things, I said it last night, but it really holds true again tonight. One of the reasons why I ran for office was ensure that all Vacaville residents feel safe, welcomed, and accepted in the community. We all play a role up here. Everyone has their skills, their talents, from their past jobs, their current jobs. So I'm gonna stay in my lane and add that huge packet it really kind of really frustrated me. I'm tired, and that's probably half of why, but I'm passionately going to speak on what's going on. Um, you know, I said from the diocese a few times over the last few years that one of the issues we had in Vacaville is like we've gone to battle with the developers. It's like having a knife in a gunfight. We didn't know what we were doing. They're smart, business people are pretty good at what they do, and we had some pretty bad deals. Um, I promise I'll use my skills. I love business, I love contracts, understanding the devil in detail. And one of the words you said um, was, if you grant the option, then we'll debate. If I had that luxury in my business to win a deal first, then talk about how good it is, uh, it'd be awesome. But you have to actually provide value, and then you get the deal closed. I, would, I mean, that's how business should work. So the fact that you want to grant an option and then we'll debate and figure out if it's right for the community to proceed forward. If we did that, it'd be absolutely traumatic. It'd be horrible for the community. The word option, um, tomorrow morning I'll be leaving Vacaville to go to my annual uh, Littler Middleson Law 2024 review. And two words jumped out. I, was, I pictured my attorneys being here you guys said words if I would never say in business, will, will not. I only promised my wife, I'll, I'll guarantee you, I said, if, then, maybe, could be, I don't say anything's a guarantee. The fact you said, this will not happen, this will happen. I mean, I, that is crazy. You cannot say that in business, because something, you never know what will and will not happen. That stuck out and really made me want to defend my community. The part of an option is where the contract. So I dug into this contract. If we go forward and we sign an option, I don't know if people understand what an option is, but this is a great contract. 
you can buy 52 acres at $171,000 per acre with an option. What an option means is Delaware corporations are popular because of the state of Delaware has a very favorable tax benefit and haven. It's, it's, it's penetrable by another state. So people, Delaware is not that bad. But what is bad is the fact that this option gives whoever's in front of it the most powerful word in business and or the assignee the ability for the contract. This contract goes to 2025. For $25,000, they can extend it for two more years. For 50, they can go two more years. We're at 2029. The laws in California are so aggressive with the AB and Senate bills that between now and 2029, you can basically hand over this contract to any other legal entity that they can, uh, they can have the right to sign the contract, they can close. So if we just granted them access, so you know, we'll go into this contract with you guys and then we'll fight out and see if it's a good idea or not. We can beat the hell out of them. And they say, you know, you guys are right. You, you win, we're not gonna go forward, but they are. And legally, they can assign the right to purchase property to any other corporation they can close. That right there is where, that's my wheelhouse. When I saw that, I'm here to protect the community. And that's a bad deal. Because once you sign that contract, it's gold. 52 acres for $9 million, I would do it. I would, I would sell it, put it online, and find who wants to buy it from me for 20 million. That's exactly what they're gonna do. So, I mean, they're gonna speak. My colleagues been writing notes. But for me, I mean, I'm tired. I mean, I just, after reading that, I don't want to play the game. I'm here to protect the community, and it's, I wouldn't want to go forward with it. So thank you. So this is also an opportunity to um, clarify some questions. There, there were some uh, members of the public with a few questions that, um, staff, I'm not sure if you wrote a few of those down, but it would be interesting to, to hear the response um, I can certainly say for myself, there's, there's no uh, personal financial consideration as a member of the council or the community. And it's really not something that I think that we all need to go down and, and personally answer every question, but that's not the purpose of an in-run. That's not the purpose of what was in front of us. Um, but one of the things that I do have a question for Menard, if you want to come back to the, the podium. Yeah, real quick, and that is um, through this through this last year. It would be helpful to turn on the microphone. Through this last year and the process, I understand that there was there's nothing in the contract or in the NRA that says that you needed to do outreach, and it, it can come across as defensive. I get that. The reality is is there's a lot of tension in the, in the community because of fear. Uh, fear is a real thing. And we can talk, there can be all kinds of conversations about you know, misinformation or facts. But one question that I have is, is um, at what point in the process early on, because there were times when there were meetings to discuss types of technologies, when, when did you land on lithium ion and lithium ion only? And are there other technologies that are emerging that are safer? So there are 
there are two other classes of uh, battery technologies. Flow technologies, iron flow, there's vanadium flow. There's a bunch of flow technologies, which is a hydraulic system that basically, there's even one that rusts and unrusts uh, metal um, that are at the experimental level. There, there's the iron flow battery um, and the vanadium flow battery are a little bit ahead. Um, for example, I think uh, SMUD has contracted with a company to do an iron flow battery. They're having problems. This is their first test facility. They were supposed to be commissioned by earlier this year, earlier last year, and they're still not done. So I would say with the flow batteries that we're probably 10 years away from them being commercial. Um, the other one is uh, solid state um, batteries. Um, I think that holds great promise, but again, that one's more like 15 plus years away from being valid. Um, the other issue with flow batteries is they tend to be longer duration and uh, most of the existing contracts that are out there for power purchase are short. They want four hour storage. They don't want eight hour storage. And so you can buy a flow battery with eight hour storage and that's what you're paying for but you can only use it for four hours because that's, that's the only contracts that are out there for, for uh, power sales. So I don't know if that answers your question. Well, it does because the question really is, is if there was an extension, there's no, there's no consideration or change for the technology that you're proposing. No, we're, we are technology agnostic. If something is, else is out there that can fit this, uh, fit what we can sell, the, the, you know, which is basically power, Power off, you know, off the normal uh, power when when power is expensive, and buy it when it's cheap. I mean, that's that's the that's the process that we do. So, if there's something else out there that we could do that with, happy to consider it. We did consider flow batteries. I talked to to two or three of the different flow battery technology manufacturers, and said, could you do this? Could you do this in the time frame? And the answer was no. Basically, so so the question is, can you do it in the time frame? They can do it, but not in the time frame. Yeah, but we're talking years down the road, and I'd be paying, like I said, especially with the flow batteries, I'd be paying, um, I'd be basically paying two plus x, well, more than that, because theirs is more per megawatt. Um, so I'd be paying a lot more for um, for the for an eight-hour storage that I can't use. Right. So the, the question, the reason why it's important to, to me, and I think it's important to understand, this council has not been able to discuss this up until tonight. And uh, it doesn't mean that this council does not have views, feelings, or opinions. Sure. Just want to get that clear to the public. Um, but our neighbors up the road uh, in Sacramento, they're looking to implement two gigawatt yeah, that's right, and they, 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 they're stumbling over the first four megawatts. That's maybe That's true. where they are right now. And what I've heard tonight is that sometimes it's, it, could be, uh, it could be right place, wrong time, wrong technology. And so part of this whole concept is what is best for Vacaville. Understood. Right. And can you, can you explain what benefit a grid scale best would have for Vacaville local, not just for PG&E. Uh, understood, understood. So, so there's been a lot of talk about 
um, that Vacaville doesn't have blackouts, and they don't have blackouts because of pro partly because of proximity to uh, to the fact that you're you're right next to where the power comes out. Um, but secondarily, it's because the, the, the system in this area hasn't been tested. As we move forward with retiring fossil fuels and relying more and more, as we get closer to the 60 percent at 2030, you have to have storage. And you have to have storage, you're going to have to have storage that feeds into Vacadixon substation locally. So I mean, whether it comes from Gibson Creek or somewhere else, it, 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 it's got to be there or you will have blackouts and brownouts. And my last question is, is, based upon even what I've heard tonight and prior, is what is what is the reason for this site? What benefit does it have to you versus a location that is a distance away from a community? No, um, so, so think of, if we're talking safety, when, when I voted to enter into the NRA, not to agree to anything, but to just explore what this is, um, it's as if it allows us to explore what is good. I've often said you don't know what you want till you know what you don't want. Mm -hmm. and, and I've done my own exploration and research and listening and reviewing. And so I imagine the more that you have to locate something away from a city, it costs you because you have to run the distribution lines. And so it would make sense to yeah, be right next to lines. the plant. Mm -hmm. I think that makes logical sense. But in the long term, safety is something that every community is going to be questioning. Sure. And so how can we do something that's good to make the, the um, energy system resilient without incurring risk? That was my number one thing that I said in January was I would not sacrifice safety. And so I have been exploring this over the last year like all of you and listening to you. But I'm, what I'd like to know from you is, is you have looked at several sites in and around Vacaville, and I'm sure others are outside into the county. Why not go somewhere that's five miles out? I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a consideration. This was, you know, when Ampere bought the project, um, you know, this was this was something at the time that was offered up to us as, and it's great. It's right next to the um, the substation. There are, you know, in California, there's 106 um, utility scale projects that are out there. Many, actually, most of them are located as close to either businesses or residences as as this one that's being proposed. So it's not, you know, there are plenty of projects both in California and in the U.S. that are co-located with residences, with hospitals, with you name it, um, and safely done so. Um, there's a guy that said uh, we're at 3.8 percent, uh, and that isn't a necessarily a great number, but it's, but it's, um, it's, it is getting better. Um, Sure. Yeah, you absolutely. You're, you are. You either one of you who could answer that question. So, uh, first of all, I appreciate uh, the opportunity that you all have given us to come over here and talk about the project. Uh, Mayor, the question, if I understood correct, is the location of these projects and why these are close to the substations. I think two important elements. One is citing these projects close to the substation 
reduces the cost for people like yourselves. Because ultimately, if these projects become more expensive, the electric utilities ultimately pass on the cost of these projects under your monthly bills to the consumers, right? So citing these projects optimally from that perspective is beneficial to the ratepayers and the common man and the consumers. Second is, with respect to energy storage projects, the whole purpose is to balance out the fluctuations that you see in the grid and to be able to support. Most of that is seen close to where the load centers is. Wackerville, uh, Wacker Dixon substation is one of the largest substations, has a largest power flow in the state of California, and therefore is a logical location where energy storage would benefit not just the community over here, but also the county and the state. So I think people need to understand that this benefit it's like money. Electrons are also fungible, right? It's not like, hey, a project over here is going to benefit somewhere, someone else. A project over here is also going to benefit the people in the city of Vacaville because that's where this project is situated. Okay. So hopefully I'm able yeah, to address fine. that question. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's enough information for me. Thank you. And the purpose, just for the audience, is to try and understand why we would extend an in run, not trying to get into all the technical details. Why Vacaville? And it makes sense when you have a substation. Uh, I personally believe that um, we've discussed energy all this last year, whether it was you know NG, Menard, MCI. Energy is a very important aspect to what the city of Vacaville needs to be focusing on for resilience, and we are working on projects as we have seen even for our own entities last night. So, uh, with that. Uh, since I don't have the traditional system, is there anyone else? Yes. Council Member Silver. Thank you, Mayor. Um, so just a quick question. Uh, City Manager, why, uh, please clarify why um, you decided not to extend the project? The NRA, sorry, I want to clarify that word. So the agreement offered a provision for a 90-day extension, um, if I so choose, in looking at the comments that were being completed, or being provided to um, at the council meetings, it was my opinion that there was uh, more homework that needed to be done. And in talking with uh, the applicant, um, I didn't think that, that we could get to that point. And honestly, this is too big of an issue um, to uh, stay administratively. And so uh, with having shared that with the applicant, they uh, requested the extension. Okay, and how long does it normally take in NRA uh, how long does it on average take to receive the information from an NRA? Oh, that varies project by project, sir. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different requirements. That, you know, we use NRAs as uh, tools to uh, work on a variety of different types of projects, development, construction projects, et cetera. And so depending on the situation of the land, you know, the city's property, uh, the type of the project, it could vary. Um, for example, the uh, 700 Park project, that was years. Um, okay, thank you. Uh, so what would you expect or what have, do you know on average what these projects take? Well, this is the first of our kind here. And Any other municipalities? No, and, and really, again, I think the, the, the technical requirements of the NRA, um, you know, there could be a, a discussion as to whether or not those have been met for the due diligence piece. 
Um, the one-year request, as the applicant has shared, is to spend more time working with the community, listening to the community, hearing their concerns, which you know I suspect we, you've been shared a lot tonight. Um, and and so, uh, again, keep in mind the the INRA is the first step to see if the project is feasible, and give the council a comfort level to go to that next level. The next level is where you really start getting into the details of what is the potential impact associated with this project. And so that's where you get into, um, and I know everybody's done a lot of their homework, and I'm grateful for that and appreciative of that and respectful. Um, city does their technical analysis when we get an actual application, and we are not at that stage yet. So the way that NRIS typically work is, is that once you do your due diligence, you get that comfort level, the council has the discussion as to whether or not to vote to go to that second level, which is typically uh, a disposition and development agreement, or in this case, a purchase and sale agreement, subject to completing the entitlement process. This particular project would require uh, design review, um, certainly an environmental analysis, don't know what level, more than likely, uh, it could be a mitigated neg deck at a minimum or an environmental impact report, and that's where all the science and the fire safety and the uh, emergency uh, evacuations, all that stuff would be uh, thoroughly evaluated and uh, in, a, in a public hearing setting and brought forth to the council for your consideration. Um, so that's the, the envisioned process. So and just to clarify, so there were some, con there were some questions from the public and uh, regarding that particular item. So those, that information as far as, so if I wanted to ask our city staff to give input on the safety or to, to verify uh, what's being told, that would not, that would not be at the conclusion of this NRA. No, the, the, the NRA is strictly for feasibility. Yeah. And if we're comfortable with it, then we get into the deeper analysis in part two. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. Uh, what is, um, so, and that was my next question was the process of new development, but you addressed that. Um, uh, where do I want to go with this? Was there other questions or can I jump into comments? After you, Councilmember Chapman. So you, you have ahead. questions? You have a question? Or are you going comments? Comments, please. Well, well, both. Okay. Why don't you finish? No, just I'll wait. We'll come All right. Councilmember Chapman. Thank you. Um, if it's been stated this evening that NART was not it was not part of the Enron to. Uh, perform community outreach. I I believe if I believe I'm correct in stating that um, when we we the council made the agreement to allow Menard uh, to go forward, it was a request of the council that they do the community outreach, and I look at that as being a part of the Enron. That is. In my opinion, we were let down because that was uh, a request by the council at the time we granted the opportunity for Menard to enter into the Enron. I'm sorry. Okay. And then um, there was a lady in the audience that asked, I believe she posed four questions. 
<laughs> one, one was, what was the council benefit for myself? No, they have not approached me to compensate me, uh, so I want that to go on the record. Um, one was, how much was the city getting from um, working with Menard? And I'll let the city manager state, um, or I would like the other two questions that I wrote down, how much that was the city getting from this, as well as whether there was an environmental study, and I think that's been already been touched on. Sir. Certainly. So um, the questions in order that I wrote down is the cost for the permit. So once again, no permit has been issued for this project. So there are no permit fees or, or, or payments. Um, what level uh, of environmental impact report study has been completed? Again, we're still at the introductory phase to this. So if we were to go move on to the second phase, that's when the environmental analysis would be completed. Um, the applicant would be responsible for full cost for that. Uh, financial gains, I think you've heard the council members say that, uh, and I've allowed them to speak to that, but um, I, I know of no financial contributions uh, in any interest, personal interest, again, I'd say, um, unless they want to say differently, none. And then uh, finally, fire mitigation measures, um, again, that would come out as part of the environmental analysis. Um, financial gains, the, the comment about what the city has received, the INRA, stands for exclusive negotiation rights agreement okay and what that is is what that is intended to do is is that that city-owned property and so for the benefit of holding that property in discussion for consideration for use of a project they put a deposit down of a hundred thousand i believe to say we are serious about this we want to work with you and we are going to follow the terms of the enra that's all that's been there. It's a it's a deposit only, and then we go from there. I. In certain circumstances, it is refundable. In certain circumstances. I'd have to rely on. Yeah. Uh, at this time, no. I would say no. It's not refundable. We have not received that request. Uh, and in my opinion, it's not refundable. So Mr. Mayor, I think that answers the, the questions. Yes. Councilmember Wiley, you have a question? Uh, thank you for the information on all parties tonight. I did had two questions um, for the company. Are you engaged with any other communities in the United States for similar projects? or have you been engaged for similar projects before? And then the second part of that is, is this, as people have said, is this the first project that you've done like this in the United States? So we've got multiple projects in the United States going on at the same time. We've got projects in uh, Nevada. We've got projects in California, Texas, Carolinas, Florida. Of these, the best batteries? Uh, including best batteries, yes. Of this magnitude, or are they smaller? Uh, they are of comparable magnitude, yes. Okay. And, well, how many actual uh, grid-scale best these are all grid scale, but none of these have been built yet, but they all are 
under development. Okay, under development, not built. Okay. I just want to oh, want to clarify. I just want to cl clarify because this question uh, has come up in the past as well. I really want to ask people: the homes that we live in, how many people build their own houses from grounds up, right? So we are a company that develop. We will get these built and we will own these projects for their life. So we are here as engaged with the community, as stakeholders in this community. It's not, and I heard the comment that, hey, we can develop and we can flip and we can sell. That's not who we are. We are over here to develop, build, and own these projects for their life. Uh, and as I pointed out, just because I own a car doesn't mean I start manufacturing a car. Just because I own a house, I don't start manufacturing a house, right? So similarly for projects like these, we do rely on best-in-class large companies like General Electric, Siemens, to build these projects for us. Now, I know people talked about Poven as well. That was an illustration. doesn't mean that we've made a decision that that's what we're going with. So I just want to make sure that people understand all those pieces because this is... Projects like these are designed, developed, decisions are made on who is going to build it, who is a capable contractor to build these projects. So these steps are yet to come. We are in a very early stage of the development, as city manager pointed out himself. All right, so then for, for, for clarification, you have approved projects in other places, but you don't have any that have been built by you or anyone else and that are operational now. Is that correct? Not in the United States. All right. Thank you. And then um, my other just comment is, like uh, Councilmember Chapman and I believe probably everyone else, I have no financial gain in this, or nor has anyone asked me to do anything for to approve it. So that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Any other questions from the council? All right. Well, I think that satisfies all the questions. Um, any comments from the council? Councilmember Stockton. Hello, can you hear me? You're working? Well, first off, I want to thank all of you for coming. The past year has been difficult. Uh, I will tell you that um, I am very impressed with my community, with my neighborhood, with their involvement. The fact that they have educated themselves to the level that they have, they've been responsive, they've reached out to me. Um, one of the hardest things uh, over the past year has been my inability to comment on this. And it's been challenging, but I've driven by your signs every single day to and from work. Um, but I, but I will tell you that you know I entered into, I was in support of going into the inrub because I believe in these processes. I believe in the, the, the in trying to evaluate a, an opportunity or a potential opportunity to better our community. The reality is, is that we don't face brownouts right now. But if some of the economic development and things that we want to do in the future, we could face those things. That, that's why it was worth exploring to me. That being said, nothing, nothing is more important than the health and safety of you and your families, all of you. That is always number one. Okay? So if this technology is not safe, then I can't support it. And the reality is, um, you know, I, I know we've had many conversations. I will tell you that Menard was communicated with me very well. Um, I met with them numerous times. Um, I, I have, I, I know I tried to get you to come to a couple different things and there were some hiccups with, with that. But the one thing for me that, that never changed was the technology. 
And as somebody who's a hazmat specialist, uh, in, my, in my line of work, I'm a, I'm a sheriff uh, with a local municipality here, and I have experience on a hazmat team, but I actually resigned from that team uh, when I heard that this project was coming up because I was worried that it would prevent me from being able to vote on something this important to our community because a project like this would have to go through a county COOPA approval, which the team would be a part of. So, um, so I, I, I will say this, um, I, I'm not opposed to battery storage if it's done with safe technology that doesn't jeopardize our safety, that's not going to threaten our groundwater, that's not going to go airborne and, and be dangerous to people's health, whether it kills them or just hurts them, neither is acceptable in my opinion. Um, as far as the community outreach goes, it, whether it was expected or not as a part of the ENRA, I just think it's common sense. I mean, um, and I will tell you that they, I had great conversations with the gentleman that spoke, thank you, um, and I know that there were efforts that were made, um, but I do think that after the, the town hall meeting, um, in my line of work, we call that a clue. Like, it was very clear that there were concerns, unanimous concerns, like, throughout the entire community. So to not address those, I think, is a mistake. And the fact that we couldn't address them, to me, was, was challenging because um, I think, though, the interim was a good process. I think it was too long, especially for not having progress or any sort of shift in the technology that, that we could bring to the public to maybe say, okay, well, we're exploring a safer alternative to kind of meet the same need that we're, we're trying to accomplish with stabilizing the grid and providing energy. So, um, so that being said, um, you know, I, I am um, definitely interested in learning more about coming up and coming technology. And if it takes 10 to 15 years to do it safely, then I guess we're gonna have to wait 10 to 15 years. At least that's my opinion. So it, um, I, I uh, for those reasons, um, uh, I, I, I can't support extending the ENRA, but I, I, what I would say, though, is I think that if you, you, just like any other company that's interested in producing something like this, puts together a proposal that is safe, bring it to us. Um, whether, we, whether they get their money back or not, I, I, I mean, I don't know the legality of that. I'm, I'm not opposed to giving it back to them. I think... Um, I think that, uh, oh, and the other thing is I have not um, taken any money or uh, personally gained. <laughs> well, just, to, just to check that box. Um, um, yeah, but, um, you know, this was just an exploration. There was never an official project that was ever brought forward for us to even consider, and it makes it really challenging. And so I think for me, I really want to see paper on a pin with what a future project would look like. I mean, we can talk about things forever. But the folks in this room spent their holiday talking about this around their table. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm disappointed that that happened. Um, I will uh, always do what I think is right to protect you and our community and, and lead in a positive direction. And if Menard wants to be involved with that, I think the community spoke tonight. I think they spoke at the town hall. And if you bring back another project, you know, I can assure you that I will look at it and weigh it, and, and hopefully we can find something that's good for Vacaville because they're in this room tonight, and that's who I represent. So thank you. Yeah, Councilmember Roberts. 
Yeah, I just have a couple comments. Um, one, Sergeant Major Thomas might appreciate, uh, brought this up with MCE and a few other things. During deployments, if we wanted to get anything done at all in the community, uh, there's a key phrase called hearts and minds that we had to establish first before we were actually able to operate and do any work in there. So as good business practice, it's good to work with the community first and see what they need. We've seen other projects done where developers have done that and were very successful. So just going forward, that might be a good practice for you guys to adopt at the beginning. Um, when it comes to exposure, I'm sure most of you guys have heard me coughing up here. It's not from me being sick. I have chronic bronchitis, most likely due to things I was exposed to during my deployments. And that's something that like, I voluntarily did with a, even a 3.8% chance of a fire occurring. I'm not going to volunteer the community for that. So that's just something from my own personal aspect of it. And when it comes to studies and modeling and all this type of um, analysis, a big thing is like plume modeling for what is actually done. So like right now, I just checked, it's um, about a 12 mile an hour per hour wind. It's west by northwest, which the site that this is in would blow into the proposed um, area for uh, the, the new development that's going to be going in there. And so at 12 mile an hour wind, that would easily reach into the development, go well past boundary of the project site. That's how plume modeling works. And you also have your hot and warm zones. And how that plays into like my actual work is next week I'm actually writing the public health chemical response plan for Yolo County. And part of that, what I need to include in that is potential battery fires, whether it's from a vehicle, a home, or a large scale thing, and how first responders respond to that, as well as a chemical, the chemical pack response to treat that, those chemical exposures. And so while it is low, I still think it needs to get much lower before we put it that close to homes. If it's more remote, um, still possesses, still poses some risk, but uh, as you said, it goes on and technology gets better and better. Eventually, solid state, I think Toyota is going to be putting out solid state battery cars within the next two years, they said, so it may not be 10 or 15 years. If they produce them for electric vehicle size, those are about the same size packs you guys would use in stacks for a large scale thing. So, yeah, solid state is much better because those don't really catch fire either. Um, I know SMUD is doing iron flow batteries. They are running some issues, but they're quickly working out kinks. And so maybe in a couple of years, that might be a viable technology to use out here because that doesn't catch fire either. Um, in terms of that, that's pretty much all I had to say in terms of comments for this, uh, as it is right now with the technology and uh, the proximity to the homes. It's going to be very difficult support and also follow up, yeah, I haven't received any money or compensation for <laughs> any of this stuff, so thank you. Thank you. Actually, let's just, I'm going to stop you right there because we'll have a chance to talk when this is all over. Yeah, thank you. Um, Councilmember Wiley. Thank you. So we're off of questions onto comments, so I'll make a few comments myself. Um, 
As you know, the council is relatively young on the council, then uh, I think four of us were elected in 2020. And so at that time, we had some training with League of Cities. And one of the things they told us was, just because a project has no opposition doesn't mean it's a good project. And just because a project has a lot of opposition doesn't mean it's a bad project. You have to look at it from all sides and look at really what is the project, what does it have to bring, and what are the risks associated with that project. So that's one reason why we've taken so long to look at it, and another reason why you know, considering an extension is not necessarily a bad thing because it would give us a chance to look at more about it. However, the other thing is we have to look at you know, this project and specifically. And I would say that I've heard a lot of concerns from a lot of people through emails and calls and meetings that people have attended and some very valid concerns and then often some of the concerns that are worst case scenario. But in reality, who knows when it might be the worst case scenario. So you can't just ignore you know, what that might be. Um, there are some benefits like the environment, we need to take steps to have some kind of battery storage and deal with maybe uh, making our grid better and being able to meet the business needs and energy needs of the businesses and the homeowners. So we do need to really look at some sort of ways to boost our energy storage. That would be a benefit, but would the benefit play out for Vacaville or would it it, it looks like a lot of times this energy would go into PG&E and it wouldn't be a direct benefit to us. It would, I uh, appreciate the work, the carpenters being here and speaking on their behalf and saying this would be a good union job for carpenters and it would be local. However, looking at the project, it doesn't look like there would be a lot of building like a housing project and um, it looks like Vacaville has a lot of projects on the books and some that are working. So I would love to see if we could get union carpenters building the buildings that we have going on. So I, I don't think that saying no to this would, uh, is against the carpenters because I do believe that you know, the union work is important. Um, I think the biggest con is the well-being of Vacaville the residents that don't live in Vacaville but are just outside the lines, the people that live in the area, and all of Vacaville. I represent the south part, but it would, you know, the, the effects would be a long way for, for what could happen. Um, I've been involved with a lot of kind of projects and getting people's attention, so I want to give you an A-plus for persistence because that's been very good. We've, we've heard your message. But I just want to say I don't like being threatened. Like, you know what, if we don't like you, you're going to be out next time. So yay for persistence, hold down on the threats. Um, but for those reasons, there's, there's a good reason to say let's look at it one, you know, uh, more. But at this point, I'm um, very, I've been probably convinced to say that that's not in our best interest because it would be a year of ending up in the same place that we are now. So those are my comments. Thank you all. So, sorry, I'm on, someone in my foot here. So, 
Uh, just to start off, uh, I'm not going to approve the extension of the NRA, and um, and I, but I need to explain some stuff to the community, uh, what I've observed this past year. Um, so number one, uh, I'm very open, very open to microgrids. I'm very open to being more energy independent as a city. I'm very open to exploring the different opportunities that allow us to be uh, to be more independent in that sense. And I need everybody to understand that as much as many folks do not want to see, quote unquote, more growth, nobody, you know, unless somebody's directly benefiting. Oh, oh yeah, by the way, no, I haven't received anything or offered any <laughs> money um, that I know of. Uh, if anybody else did, never mind. Yeah. I'll shut up. So, um, the. Uh, <clears throat> But uh, essentially, you know, Fairfield lost uh, a $400 million business because PG&E couldn't eat, meet their energy demands. And it's not just a local, that's not just not a Fairfield thing. Uh, Vacaville currently is still well positioned to meet the need. That's what we're being told because we're on a different, a different uh, circuit, excuse me. But that is an issue that's statewide. And the the ability for us to maintain the quality of life that we have that we all appreciate based on our funding mechanism mainly due to issues like prop 13 limits our ability to meet the growing cost for the quality of life that we expect that's why many of you north village particularly have a very large cfd or that's one reason i, sh I, I would argue um so the alternative to that is something that we the city's been on board before actually every single one of us got on this council is to find other ways to generate that revenue and that's through comp uh, different industries such as biotechnology biomanufacturing advanced manufacturing that have an eight to one return on for every one job that that one company would hire there's going to be that type of magnitude up to that type of magnitude of additional jobs those jobs are important for us to earn a good quality of life. Folks who are like, I forget that I'm old now, but um, <laughs> well, yeah, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, though the ability to earn a good living is something that I've been 100% dedicated on trying to figure out how the heck to do. Um, particularly when there weren't many opportunities, there wasn't. Um, you know, I think the education's uh, pretty decent. Um, but the future is in science. The future is in uh, medium skill, high skill type jobs, and also labor jobs, so the jobs in order to support the industry in order to fulfill that. And so kind of going, the reason why I'm explaining all this and go, going, on, going on this path is I think it's very important to understand that we need, uh, we need to find ways uh, to be, again, more energy independent to where we're not relying on exterior funding. Um, last night, we approved, council approved a consultant, a third party consultant to come in and evaluate um, different aspects of how we can potentially uh, look at ener create energy and the different options with that. I'll just kind of summarize it as that. Um, the concept and concern about lithium ion battery, you know, to the one, uh, to the electrical engineer, um, he explained from, from his perspective, uh, a lot of the comments that I hear, that I've heard over this past year, you know, uh, just again, I'm a professor of biotech, I, I'm, my degree's in science and published a paper on stem cells, it's not in 
this type of technology. But when I hear folks citing data, um, or when they say we do our own research, I worked 10 years in healthcare, um, that's always, uh, to us, it sometimes can be concerned. It's not that your research is wrong, it's not that necessarily your interpretation is wrong, is that a lot of times there's more to that story. And that's where the heart of this particular issue on, on this topic is. Over 50% of the comments that you have made are not necessarily reflective in the science, but it's deeply rooted in the mistrust that you have for this company. And I think it's important for uh, Menard and Ampere to understand, I'm confident that in this next year, like your hugest battle is gonna be able to build trust. And I don't see that necessarily happening to where it would have a positive outcome. That trust, um, anything that's gonna come from any company, you know, having their own, hey, this is our data, this is, you know, whatever they say, all of that's gonna be jeopardized. That's something that we just experienced throughout COVID, where our whole nation was split on, in the beginning, whether it was something that was real or not, uh, how we appropriately respond to it or not, and the role of government in how we keep each other safe. And I don't frankly think that we really learn much from that. Um, me being within the sciences, um, there's a lot of work within the field. Um, you know, scientists are extremely frustrated because they look at the data, they under, you know, to their point of view, they understand the risk, they understand um, the science, the flaws, uh, the theory, um, but how to be able to communicate that to folks who um, have deep concerns, that is still a problem. Um, and so like, so there were some comments about they, you know, the company brought in, a, a, sorry, I don't, I don't think it was announced as a PR firm, and I apologize if that's a miss, a miss uh, uh, you know, classification, but um, the, the, that in itself is something that helps uh, to be able to, you know, folks to bridge these gaps that we communicate. And that leads me to my next comment. Um, it's not, I don't think it was fair, like it was, there was um, an accusation that they made it all, you know, try to put this part that was all pretty. Um, that was just, that, that wasn't them. Uh, maybe they put it together, but that was really a reflection of of your electeds trying, you know, take, doing what they can with, uh, with what they knew at the particular time to try to find ways of how do we can get the most value for you all as residents. Um, didn't mean that was gonna happen or not. Um, didn't, didn't ensure that it was going to happen, but at the same time, uh, each council member is constantly looking at ways of how we can fill these gaps to where we can bring out outside revenue to address and increase our quality of life. All right, so, um, the the issue the issues the the other thing I need to uh, point out uh, I know there's it's already been mentioned you know state laws are changing I need the community to also understand that while there uh, there may be requirements and legislation that they must provide a community benefit that's only if it's within a certain certain jurisdiction so one concern um, even though people didn't like it uh, if the state imposes something and takes that away then the risk that we're subjected to, we're, we're left on the hook for that, or we're very limited on, on what we can do to, do to mitigate that. We see that with housing right now. Um, beyond that, you have, uh, let's say the county puts it in, right? And you have a, you know, even with, with votes and how we hold people accountable through our democracy, that in itself can now uh, create, they can uh, tap into that benefit and Vacaville, who, Vacaville residents within those boundaries 
uh, may suffer damages, may be negatively impacted, may go through decades of uh, issues, uh, and they receive, um, you know, the, with our community got nothing from that. Or maybe a neighboring city does that. So I'm, I think uh, some of these, you know, I don't know if that would ever come to fruition. I'm not trying to be one who supports, you know, fear and whatnot. But uh, I need everybody to understand that there's all these different levels of complexity that uh, we all as a community have to weigh and how we decide and what we, what we, based on what we understand, understanding the process of what, what steps are done when throughout this process, which is a very long, as was mentioned, some of these can take up to several years just for this phase one um, to figure out how we, how we navigate that again to be able to achieve a higher quality of life. So um, just to conclude that, I know we're gonna go through a vote, but that's the, one of the main reasons I don't, I don't see us uh, really being able to build trust with the community within the next year, so. And thank you for your comments. Councilmember Chapman. Wow, thank you, Council Member Silva. <laughs> thank you. I've forgotten my comments. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I'm messing with you. Not really. But anyway, no, I'm going to keep it short, though. Um, first of all, the union reps, uh, employees that are here, I appreciate you coming forward, speaking on the matter that we do need more jobs here in Vacaville. If you look back at some of the old minutes, you'll see that the, uh, that comment has been made by myself and things that we need to do to make it happen. Um, safety is number one. I am the newest member on the council, um, and that was my, on my platform, that was number one. Safety, safety, but if I had, an um, had to put it under, um, under an umbrella, it would fall under quality of life. I'm going to, I'm keeping this very short, believe it or not. I live in District 4, I represent District 4, uh, Tulare, Elamo, Nut Tree area. There were signs in District 4 saying no. All the way across town, the people were supporting. They were knowledgeable about what was going on in Vacaville. We are here for every, every resident, every homeowner in Vacaville, even though I was, uh, I was voted into office by individuals in District 4, but I represent all of you. If I, those of you that are in attendance, and I would say probably 90% of you, uh, sat down at, on your phone or your computer and wrote, eight sent emails to each of us. I'm gonna say 90, maybe 89% of you received a reply back from me. And I would say, I would acknowledge receipt of it, and then I never took a, a position, but I heard you. I read each word, and some of them were very lengthy. <laughs> yes, you got your point across. So with all of that said, I'm saying no this evening. And I'm finished. Yeah, thank you. Um, 
I've just got a, a few comments and without repeating what has been said. There's a lot of good sentiments up here. First and foremost, it's important that as a council and as uh, your local government that we follow a good process. Really. I know this for certainty that sometimes following a good process isn't pleasant. It can be very uncomfortable. And I, I echo those sentiments, and that is, is while we're in the ENRA, the, we've given staff direction, and so I worked for the city of Vacaville for 32 years. And in doing so, I understand how to follow that process, and we directed the city manager and our economic development staff to do exactly that, is to explore with Menard what it would look like. And so that process also meant that through that process, unless and until that comes back to the council, our position is to stay out of what the government was going to do. And here's why that's important. It's very difficult over the course of the year to come to the meetings or to weigh in on something because that would not be operating in good faith. And sitting here tonight, I can assure you that this council, based upon my experience, operated in good faith to the community and, and to Menard. There was never a time that this council somehow is violating a Brown Act and having these discussions. This is the first time in a year that we've been able to have a conversation. It's a very uncomfortable form of government, but it's so that it's in front of you. And I just want you to know that. Secondly, change is scary. It is. Uh, there's so many different ways I look at this, but then I also try to empathize and know that would I live there? I placed myself, would I want my house to be right there? Because then it really personalizes it for me, just like it would anyone else. You're going to do your research because if, if it was where you live, we all live lives with those kinds of experiences. It becomes very personal. So I believe that as a council that we probably followed our own process, but a similar one that said, if I had to live there, how would I feel about that? And so this was an opportunity, the first time that we could actually ask them questions as part of a project through the interim. Councilmember Silva, I appreciate your comments, and that is, is you know, after a, an entire year, uh, I don't know, I don't know what we would expect in 30, 60, 90 days, or an additional year, based upon where we're at today. So that creates concern the way I evaluate a process. Public safety, just like you, was a top priority. I said on this particular project, we would not jeopardize safety. And I do recall that while not in the ENRA, per se, in a contract, it was part of the discussion that there would be community outreach. And so it's a year later, Clearly, you've heard from the community, and I know we have heard from the community uh, for certain. Um, I want resiliency for this city, for this community, for this county. I recognize, and I'm sure other members of this council understand how important power is. I know it every month when I have to pay my bill. I know that we've seen projects such as MCI and taken a lot of pressure as to why can't we have choices. The choice I want, I want the better choice. I want a safe and re reliable and resilient energy source at a cost that's cheaper that we can pass down to the community. Why can't we be SMUD? 
one third the cost. Now it's kind of hard to build your own energy. So, so you have to look at situations uniquely and say, well, maybe we can't have everything, but maybe it's time we have something. Microgrids. I know, uh, Sylvia, that's a passion of yours and it's become one of mine. And I, I appreciate some of the comments tonight, and that is there are different levels of, of utility energy storage. There are the, um, the um, residential, there's commercial, and we're all comfortable in some of those elements to know that there's batteries all over the place. But it's different than if you're trying to attach a, a significant amount of batteries right next to PG&E. It makes perfect sense, the right location, but potentially the wrong technology, wrong time. And I've listened and I appreciate the efforts of, of Keep Vacville Safe to thoughtfully inform the community and the council in a very respectful way. If there's ever a commendation to give to a community, it's how this community has been able to have respectful discourse on what it is that you want us to understand. So I thank you. I also want to thank staff for all the work that you have all done to try and prepare to inform us as a council. Um, and the lady who spoke on the LNU fire, anyone who has been in those types of emergencies, and I remember working that night, and I remember how um, catastrophic it made the community feel. So I also can resonate with how safety is important and you just can't put a price on that feeling of safety. We definitely need to consider that while it does follow our economic development strategy, I think that it's the wrong time and I think it's the wrong place. And so for that, I won't support it, the extension tonight. And do I have a motion? Do I have a motion? Okay. Uh, Councilmember Stockton. Yeah, I'd like to motion that we adopt option two. Second. We have a motion and a second. Can we have a roll call? Your mic, please. Councilmember Stockton? Yes. Councilmember Ritchie? Yes. Councilmember Silva? Yes. Councilmember Chapman? Yes. Councilmember Roberts? Yes. Vice Mayor Wyatt? Oh, I'm yes. sorry. <laughs> we just changed last night, so. Take me a minute. Mayor Carley. Yes. So the option two um, has passed and the it's not been extended. And so I want to thank everyone for their time tonight. This meeting is adjourned.